0: by this time i had written uh, a very long script came to the reality i was gonna have to cut this into three pieces the force is the core of star wars and you have to be careful when you answer too many questions about it Concept design, I think, is so critical. I mean, it's something that perhaps is underappreciated because it sets the template. It sets the aspirational goal for what the movie should be. Awesome. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to the, the forces behind Star Wars. Tonight, we are recording episode 22, and this is Ken, one of your your hosts for the evening, and I'll go around the horn and let everybody else introduce themselves.
1: We never know who's next up but i'm a talker so i'm demetrius lovely to be back it's been a while
0: anthony
2: gone i'm also a talker and i'm glad that demetrius is back
3: uh, I'm dexter weeks and i'm glad to uh, be doing another episode with everybody the gang's all here
4: and i'm stephen pershing and i'm delighted to be here thank you well that was a
2: surprise <laughs> i did not expect that one of many
0: i, I actually think tonight's episode is going to be all about surprises because i can honestly say i never anticipated doing tonight's show and so mm. i'm going to turn the microphone over to 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 anthony to share the introduction of what the topic of tonight's episode is going to be this is good cop bad cop isn't it no it's bad there's, cop, except bad
1: there's, cop. there's yeah i don't know who, 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 there's a lot of good cops here where's one bad
2: yeah so the episode tonight is about The Last Jedi. And the reason I, I wanted to have this episode was um, I love Star Wars. I mean, I really love Star Wars. That's why we started the epi- you know, this podcast. Um, but I really have a problem with The Last Jedi. And I also have a problem with people defending The Last Jedi. So I wanted to have this episode so we can talk about The Last Jedi. But not just bash on it. Not just trash on it. Not talk about how it ruined our t- childhoods or subverted expectations intentionally to to piss people off. I really want to have an analytical look at why, in my opinion, and in many people's opinion, The Last Jedi is just a bad film. And it's a bad Star Wars film. But it's also a bad film. So it's both of these things simultaneously and separately. So we have a couple of topics. We we, we wrote our show notes down. Everybody contributed. Um, And I'm going to let Ken... I'm going to ask Ken, I'm going to let him, it's not my podcast, it's our podcast. I'm going to ask Ken to moderate the tonight's discussion so we can have a, a discourse that isn't just piling on and trashing on the movie. Ken, I will imagine that you can take a a, a a more neutral stance so
0: when one of us gets a little carried away, you can say, hey, look at this other point of view. Uh, I'll, I'll play the rumble here tonight. And okay. just before we get too far into it, do you know what happens to be special about tonight and and this episode episode 22 yep episode 22 i do not so two years ago so april 2020 we recorded our we recorded and shared our our first podcast what so april 29th 2020 was our very first episode that got released to the world
2: so this is our two-year
0: anniversary episode yeah and it's two two pretty awesome episode 22 on our you know close to our our two-year anniversary and now and we've our 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 podcast has grown from from just a a dynamic duo to a a fantastic fivesome if that's a thing somebody called it the bad batch earlier right (laughs) (laughs) how about we call ourselves the rad batch instead of the bad Batch?
3: (laughs) that'll
1: work depends on how this podcast goes anthony well let's see
0: all right
2: can lead us lead us lead us in as, as always
0: Absolutely. And before we get too far into all of the, the depth and detail that we'll we usually get into, I want to mention something that came out um, in the, the Art of the Last Jedi book. And in that book, there was a statement, um, and for those that don't have it, the, the Art of the Last Jedi was a book by Phil Sostak that kind of follows the trend of Star Wars movies, that after each Star Wars movie is released, they they have an art of book, they have a visual dictionary, and so on. And in that book, there was this excerpt that said in the midst of his last Jedi screening series, Ryan Johnson was invited to join Lucasfilm's informal intellectual property development group uh, to deal with a specific filmmaking problem. And that group, uh, the the members attending that group included Kerry Hart and Pablo Hidalgo, John Knoll. Or sorry, wait, I, I want to make sure I'm reading my notes properly. I apologize. The Photoshop guy. Yeah. Uh, John Gase, uh, Gatum, Doug Chang, Dave Filoni, John Knoll, the, the Photoshop guy, Jason Magetton, Brian Miller, Dennis Murin, and Skyrock, Skywalker Sound audio designer, Gary Rydstrom. That's so a hell all, of a team. That's a hell of a team. And they were all there. When Ryan Johnson was putting this movie together with the rest of his team, so as much as folks talk about the Last Jedi being Ryan Johnson's successor failure, I want to identify that there was a whole lot of people involved, and a lot of people saw what he was doing and um, supported what he was doing. So he wasn't uh, it wasn't an isolated event. So I just want to let the world know that a lot of people that we admire and respect. From Lucasfilm, you know, helped Ryan put this movie together. So, with that said, where do you want to where do you want to go from there? Where do you want our our first topic of conversation to be?
2: Well, I think I'll acknowledge that a lot of people put this movie together, but in a in a filmmaking business, you know, the boss is the director, right? And and in this case, the, the the I don't have anything against Ryan Johnson. I watched Knives Out. I enjoyed Knives Out. I watched his previous film before. He did the big time films. The uh I forget the name of it, but it, was it called Monster. It was the, the the, film in Mexico
0: where the monsters oh, that, came was, down. that was Gareth Edwards. That was, yeah, that was that Gareth. Was, oh, so I can well, maybe I don't admire.
2: <laughs> so I don't have anything against John, Ryan Johnson is my point. I think this is c- purely a creative um, you know, my opinion comes from the creative aspects that I think were missed. And I believe that this film has issues with character development. It has issues with pacing. It has issues of being entertaining, which is the the biggest flaw a movie could make is not to to, to entertain you. I believe this movie has continuity issues left, you know, from the beginning to the end based on the previous Star Wars films. And I think this movie has uh, issues with almost being mean-spirited in what it's trying to accomplish. Because if, we, if we'll discuss tonight, there's other ways, I think, to to accomplish what he was trying to accomplish, which is to kind of turn Star Wars lore on its head or look at it from a different perspective. So from that point of view, I think we should get started analyzing the film. All of us kind of wrote down our own notes uh, as to where we, we get started. Um, so I wrote down five topics and we could all discuss these five topics. I, One of them is heroic moments in the film. The other one is where the film attempts to cre- uh, world build, you know, what, what, what has now become a common phrase, but us industrial designers know that we're trying designing the world and building the lore of the world is what the world building is. Uh, character arcs, not just in the film, but character arcs that are continued from the previous film or films, depending on the character. Narrative development, meaning how we explain or show what a character's intentions are, what their, an- what their actions are, uh, what the consequences of actions are. And then, of course, the one that we could all agree that 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 Last Jedi exceeds in is art direction. We m- mentioned Doug Chang. No one, well, actually I will. Very few things to talk about with art direction, but I think in this movie, despite how gorgeous it is, and it's second only to, to return, a, I mean, a, a return, a Empire Strikes Back in just looks department I think there are some design issues here that we need to talk about so I'll start talking about heroic moments and I
0: expect everybody to kind of join in Actually, instead uh, of doing heroic moments are you okay with the world building first yeah 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 because that's well, kind of the, the the big generic stuff and the heroic moments happen within that world or in those worlds okay so world
2: building is when we expand the world introduce new places introduce new stories introduce new villains introduce new elements to the world that weren't previously there so we have a planet we talk about the politics of the planet who's in charge of what does it look like what's the climate what are the weapons what are the vehicles uh that's generally what world, world building is and massive art teams of hundreds of people put these things together both from the sound aspect from pre-production to what it looks like to the computer departments who actually animate these things and and model builders and set designers and set builders. So this world building is a big deal when it comes to films and in Star Wars films in particular, more than most other films, I say maybe more than any other film, uh, maybe Marvel comes second, world building is what defines the difference between Star Wars and say Star Trek or any other science fiction fantasy. Um, There are new locations in last jedi that we have never seen before one of them is canto bite um the other one is uh the uh well octo we sort of saw in the force awakens but we get a, a deeper look at it and we also see um uh somebody help me out crate the, the planet of crate
0: yeah that's that's uh demetrius's background right the, yeah, that, yeah. That salt planet the salt, with, the, the Utah with the red planet. crystals beneath So I'll start with the casino location. And and one of the
2: things about Star Wars is that you go to these locations that are very, very, you know, fantasy oriented. So you see Bespin, which is a giant floating cloud city. You know, you see some of these, you know, Naboo, which starts having, you know, you see Italian palaces, but also expands into these great dome structures. And then you go underwater and you see these bubble cities. There's a lot of things in Star Wars that are just fantastical. Even the Dune planet, which is a you know something we have on Earth and it was filmed on Earth, have craters where you put moss, espa, it just things are generally more grandiose and more exciting than on Earth. Cantobite I think is a real letdown. And I think the reason it's a real letdown is it doesn't look even as exciting as Las Vegas does, right? So you can, the only thing we have to compare it to are cities in the real world that are casino cities. are so Macau, Las Vegas, Atlantic City. And I would say the Canto Bite actually looks less exciting than the real world Las Vegas, which is a real failure for film. You look at Canto Bight, it doesn't have any, it doesn't have like a big architecture. It doesn't, you don't even remember what it looks like really. If, unless you just saw it like today, like I did, it doesn't have the iconography of something like Bespin. You know, you could, Remember the shape and the form, and it's really unique. Canto byte really fails to, to to give you an impression of Star Wars, or give you an impression of of opulence, or give the impression of casinos. All three of those things it fails at doing. Um, the casino itself, that could be a real world casino. I mean, I've, in fact, in Atlantic City, there's casinos that look better than the one in Canto Bight, right? And I'm talking about the architecture inside. Uh, there's a real lack of monsters or characters or creatures which is something that star wars has always had when it when they visit off-world planets right so there's more humans in canto bite than creatures is that by design is that not by design i don't know you know star wars has never had the narrative that humans were the worst of all the all the creatures that are in the uh the movies so And they don't have that narrative in this movie as well right so they don't say hey we we human beings are worse than any of these other creatures they don't really distinguish between races in the movies as well other than wookies you know they'll mention you know wookies but they don't really distinguish between races that much in the movie so canto bite also has a lot of um areas that i think are, are are kind of puzzling like the prison uh, you know, a really advanced society with a prison that doesn't have cameras to see what people are doing or the jail cells where they have cards that could be reached from the people inside a jail cell. Um, I want to open it up to everybody because I've been talking a lot, but I, I want to talk about Canto bite and just the lack of impression that it leaves is really kind of underwhelming. Do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I, I wanted to ask like a devil's advocate question because I don't disagree with you. I, but this connects to one of the comments that I put in in our notes was that I felt like they spent way too much of a movie to try to find some code breaker to do blah, 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 blah. And it almost felt to me like that one scene from an Austin Powers movie, like the guy standing in the hallway, just waiting for the steamroller to run them over. And they just kept playing it over and over waiting for the inevitable. And so what my question was going to be was maybe they actually didn't expect to use that much of the film, dedicated to that like maybe it was supposed to be a shorter scene they go they find someone they get out of there where like it becomes almost like a textural element and then they got through editing and like oh crap we don't have enough on the back end of this thing so maybe we need to like stretch this middle section out and then it feels underwhelming because there's not enough there just
2: throwing that out as a devil's advocate question yeah but if you go into the if you go into the blu-rays deleted scenes there's a there's a scene of Canto Bite that is actually more exciting than what made it to the final film, right? They have more creatures-
3: The bathhouse scene you're talking about? Yeah,
2: well, not just the (laughs) bathhouse scene, but the fact that all the creatures that I just mentioned are lacking from the film are in the deleted scenes.
0: True, true,
2: yeah. And the whole entire scene, I mean, right now we're talking about world building, but Demetrius is right. None of it seemed like it went anywhere
0: at all. I'm gonna ask you a question from your perspective. Mm-hmm. What do you think the scene was intended to do?
2: I think because the you're, scene was
0: intended to set right, up. You're talking right now as 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 fact that that scene was bad that there wasn't enough creatures in it, um, and I don't know if that should be expressed as a as a stone cold fact. Well, no, that's of... my
2: opinion, Ken. It's okay, not a just... fact. Yeah, it's my opinion, but it's also a fact that the, that the deleted scenes actually had more creatures in it, right? So that's a fact. Um, why they got rid of it, you know, there's very little information on The Last Jedi anywhere. And I think that was deliberate. I think that Star Wars, it was a troubled process and and, and they just, everybody claimed up. So all we have is evidence is what we see and what's on, on the deleted scenes. But I think the intention of Canto Bite is pretty clear. Canto Bight was supposed to, from a story arc point of view, that's where the rebel, well, the, the resistance found the code breaker, which I think is a whole, which we'll talk about later. But from a, a, a narrative point of view, uh, meaning, like, what is it that we're learning about the world and world building point of view, Rose says what Canto Bite is all about. You know, she wants to put her fist through that beautiful town or whatever it is. She, it's where the rich people take advantage of the poor people and exploit people. And that's the setup of that town. You you see the rate, the, the, the what do you call them? the Call the rafiers is that what they call them Fathiers.
3: Fathiers. The Fathiers.
2: Yeah. you see the scene where rose says hey you know this town has some flaws in it and then conveniently finn looks directly at the the, the 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 fathiers being beat with the whips and then the kids trying to defend one of the fathiers and then the whip the the, the fathier trainer whipping the boy or about to whip the boy i think the narrative decision to put canto bite there was to show a distinction between the very rich where they've never really shown in star wars and the people that make those people rich or the people that the rich people trample on
0: oh we have to remember that there was lots of rich people in coruscant including the politicians which we saw lots of in the prequels and there was lots of development of both rose and Finn in those scenes in CantoBite. I
1: mean, do we know those... where CantoBite is in the relation of the universe? Like, could that just be the Reno to them? Where like, that I think far it was supposed out, to be, it's actually um... pretty great, but generally it sucks if you compare it to anything else.
0: What's that <laughs> one place where they do the, uh, the, the no races? No offense to any the...
1: listeners from Reno.
0: Is that Monte Carlo? Is that what it is? that kind of like a one of those? I think it's supposed to be Monte
2: Carlo, like... but it comes off as Reno, which is kind of the point, right? <laughs> I think it is supposed to be Monte Carlo, but it, it it just misses. I mean, you have the same look at Naboo, right? There is a scene when when that submarine that Ben Kenobi and Anakin were in with Jar Jar that surfaces to the top after it, that chase scene underwater. Yeah. That scene where it surfaces has more visual flair, which is it lasts like two seconds than the entire Canto bite scene. Right so, Ken you're right, it is supposed to be Monte Carlo, but Monte Carlo looks better than Cancel of White, and I think that's from a from a the, from that point of view,
0: I just think it doesn't really work Once again though, go back to the story what was what was the story showing us or exposing us to in those scenes?
2: Well, that's what I said. I think Roses the, the story is exposing us to the underside of how rich people exploit poor people
0: and keep in mind that this is one of Finn's first times outside of his role as a stormtrooper to see the larger universe, to see the larger galaxy. He thought the place was amazing. So he walked into this casino where it's flashing lights and, and people in fancy black and white clothing. And there's, there's, there's hundreds of different folks around. He's been exposed to stormtroopers for years and years and years, ever since he was a child. And he thinks it's glorious. And she tells the story of her life and her experience that the empire destroyed what her family held dear. They took from the planet and destroyed it without any care of the individuals. So that's the kind of stuff that showed up in Canto Bite, beyond the flashy lights and fancy costumes. You're you're
2: absolutely right. The issue I have is I just think it's poorly done. I mean, we can justify what we each read into it and even the intention. But the end result is the is, is the production that they actually came out with. Right. So the justification for Canto Byte being just sort of a, a, a temporary holding place for Rose's thoughts Really, you're kind of unjustified because Rose's thoughts, Rose's issue was with the empire, not with rich people, right? Rose's issues did not originate on Canto Bite. Canto Bite played no, no, no direct influence in the empire's actions. The empire didn't get rich on Canto Bite. And later on, Jay, you know, uh, what's his name? Um, the guy with the hat with the stutter. I always I was forget, like a DJ. Hey, DJ. DJ mentions there's a lot of rich people on Canto Biden. And look what they do. They make technology, right? They make weapons of war. Look, from, uh, you know, again, this is just my opinion. None of these are facts. <laughs> my opinion is that it was just poorly done. It was forced. It was, it was, you know, if Finn really wants to be impressed by something, he shows no problem really being completely out of his element right which you would think a stormtrooper would at least have some inhibitions about being somewhere where he doesn't belong at least not formally i mean he left the 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 stormtroopers like weeks ago if not less than a week ago right so you know he's amazed i think they make him act like a dummy all the time which i really resent because he's a better character than that um but i think a lot of the the you know my if you're going to show rich people show rich people, show somebody stepping on somebody else or using slaves, which they could have easily shown slaves fetching people drinks or fetching, you know, get me this or get me that. They didn't show any of those things. They They showed showed rich people having a good
0: time. They showed slaves. They were right in there.
2: Well, Ken, if they were in there, then they made them so hidden. that even on five repeat watchings, I couldn't see it. And that's the point. The children were slaves.
0: The stable children were slaves to that big puss guy with the whip when, when uh, holding the fathiers.
2: Yeah, but the, pre- but the big press guy holding the fathiers wasn't one of the rich guys.
0: Right? My point is, if you have More
2: slaves following you, you yeah. if you have yeah. slaves following you with your drinks, I mean, every impression we have of how rich people monopolize and beat on poor people, there's so many of those, you know, stereotypes. Use any of them. If you're really trying to bring the point home that these people are rich and really hate us regular, normal, poor people, it just wasn't really shown properly, you know? And and, and I think, univ- not universally, but there's, when people criticize The Last Jedi, a lot of those criticisms are aimed at the cancel bite sequences, right? A, a, a lot of them, because they don't, they don't seem to really resonate with what was supposed to be, have been shown there. Now we could mentally and, you know, ideologically say it was supposed to be this, 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 and this, but we can do that about anything. Their end result is that I don't think, and I'm going to open it up to the, everybody else, you know, Dex and Persh and, and Demetrius, I don't think what we saw was what they, was the high concept that they were shooting for.
3: Was there not a scene, like, I, I only saw it twice, to be honest. Uh, but yeah. why did you only see it twice? It's my... That's probably my least favorite <laughs> Star Wars film out of the series, but don't
1: feel bad, Dex. I only saw it twice. Also, <laughs> once in the theater and once over the weekend. Exactly. To prepare for this.
3: But you guys kept mentioning about the, uh, you know, the rich stepping down on people. What wasn't there a scene, if I recall, like some some alien was putting coins in BB-8 or something? Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, like basically a that little you know. drunk dude. <laughs> right. Right. I, I kind of liked him. He yeah. was cute. He was funny. But that's the only one scene I can remember in that particular, you know. I
1: mean, when I hear you explaining it the way you do, Anthony, I like I I get your perspective. I guess I just it didn't strike me as being this anomaly or like a bad scene that didn't go as far as it could have. I totally hear your perspective. I mean, I thought there were some pretty cool looking characters in there. I kind of wanted to know more. I, I thought there was some neat looking people like, oh, I kind of wish I knew more about this, but I didn't feel let down. I more felt that that whole sequence of finding the guy just was like way too long. Oh, like no. This, listen, this should have been very short.
2: I don't expect anyone to agree with me at all because no, it's just, just my, my opinion, right? Yeah. But in my opinion, you're going to go to Casino Planet, you're going to see people exploited. I want to have it more in your face right I want to have the casino planet be somewhere like holy shit look at this planet this is something that it's not like earth they have glass floors and these slot machines are floating in space I don't know something (laughs) right Instead, that casino could literally exist in the real world as it is and that to me is disappointing and Steve Pershing you've been quiet way too long
1: agreed does
2: this mic work
4: do we have to Mm -hmm. check his mic no, so I have to say right here, fellas, oh, right. Light, I think it's an absolutely wonderful track that we go on with with both Finn and Rose. I mean, I just couldn't get enough of both of them. I mean, if it was up to me, I would just have the whole thing about them because that whole journey in something that had light speed, they got there with light speed. Even though the whole, everyone else is trying to get somewhere to make a communication uh, with the power array. but. They had a lightspeed vehicle. They probably could have got help and everything, but instead they went to a casino. And I enjoyed the daylights out of the whole thing, especially where they parked the ship right in the beach where everyone can see it under the spotlight. Uh, I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. I don't understand why they would park there, but it looked really, really nice. All right, so
2: Steve is trying avant-garde theater. <laughs> so Steve, outside of the Groundlings, what does the character behind the Groundlings character think?
4: Uh, what does he think about uh, about this canto bite? Yes. It's a strange name, honestly, canto bite. Uh, it sounds like someplace I would go to get something to eat. Um, but seriously, um, I liked it. I liked the, um, the the horse things running around and uh, that they rescued them. And and the little boy that, you know, gets angry at the end with the broom. Uh, anyway, the, it was just it was it was very nice. I just I really cannot get enough of them. And and they found you know the whole idea of going there to get this code breaker so that they can stop tracking them through the light speed. They have to find this code breaker, but again, they had a light speed vehicle. I think they could have found reinforcements. I don't, I that's the only part I don't understand here.
2: Well, thank you for that, Steve. I am <laughs> deeply moved by your opinion. So I think, you know, what Steve is doing, I think, is interesting because when before we started the podcast, part of it was trying not to pile on the movie because we do, one, we don't want to have a hate fest. Two, it's difficult to sort of be positive about a movie that most of us have only really watched one time and the other time was because this podcast is taking place, right? And I think that says a lot about this film, right? Because I think even films like solo that didn't fare well initially by the time people watched it at home it could have been a year could have been two years later hey this is a pretty good film this film is a lot better than people gave it credit for but last jedi isn't that film and i think part of why we're struggling and why steve is putting on a persona where he's controlling his emotions better than i am is that you know star wars is so important to all of us that that no, it didn't ruin our childhood, but it is sort of hard to grasp that someone Ryan Johnson decided to do his own personal take on a film. And I think that is what bothers me the most, and a lot of other people too. Not that Ryan Johnson didn't have good ideas, but that Ryan Johnson, you know, from what I understand, deviated not just from JJ's approach. But also a lot of the other onset designers and and and, and other people on uh, making the movie that said, "Hey, I have other ideas." And like Brian Johnson, you know, you become a director, you're in charge. And I think- it
1: makes me sad to hear, man. It really does. I don't know. I I I saw it twice. I saw it in the movie theater, and I made I left the theater thinking, "Yeah, it was pretty good, but you know, I didn't love it." But then when I watched it again over the weekend, I then I felt bad. I'm like, actually, I kind of like this more than I remember. I, I actually would watch it again. Solo actually felt the exact opposite. So I watched that again because it, you're urging, and I was like, yeah, no, I still don't really like it. Um, I don't know. I, I Fair found enough. that entertaining. This will be a fun debate. I'm really eager to get deeper into this because I I don't take it that personally. I actually kind of want to watch it even a third time now, just to spite you a little bit.
2: I think I've watched it 10 times. And and I think that's, you know, cause I love all the stuff. I watch all the films over. I have it on when I'm, I'm at work or late at night or something. And, and this is the one film I don't enjoy and I don't enjoy it because I, I feel like, I feel like the characters are reading a script, which is not, you know, except for Finn is the only one. Cause he's, he's I think he's a good emotional actor, but I feel when they're reading their lines, I feel like they're reading lines. You know, like at the beginning when they're telling the jokes about Hux's mom, I just feel like it's so forced.
1: Like That stuff, without a doubt, that stuff goes right back to Phantom Menace where I'm like, oh, my God, can you like seriously get rid of the cue cards and just make these people act? But there's still characters that you really love. Like they're great characters. So it's kind of like ah, maybe not presenting the best, but it's still Ray, It's still Kylo Ren. It's still Finn. Like they're still awesome characters.
2: And they have great actors behind them. I think, the, look, let's go back a little bit. I think the biggest mistake for me was setting this film immediately after the last film. Right? Because you have the prequel films, they have years between and story, right? So you have, you know, the Clone Wars takes place between two movies. And I think I sent you guys all a link earlier. The stories that take place between The Force Awakens and Last Jedi There's only really two of them. There's three technically, but two of them. And they happen like within a day Like we're talking. This movie takes place almost immediately after the last film. And I think from a narrative point of view, you haven't established the first order as the bad guys yet. You know, you, you, you sort of said they are the bad guys, but you haven't shown it. So you haven't given like Kylo Ren or Snook or anybody a chance to destroy and and put everybody into subjugation. You haven't developed raised powers in the two years. You could do anything, right? You could, you know, remember Luke went from film to film growing in power because in between those films, he trained. You haven't set that up. I just think it was a weird thing to do to set a film immediately after the the last film. I mean, it wasn't like the last film ended in a cliffhanger or anything. So it it was just a weird choice. And it, it really makes much smaller the options that you have because now you're telling that story. Kylo Ren just kind of became, in, became his own character at the beginning of Force Awakens and now he hasn't really developed any because it's literally the next day. You know, and When you look at it from that perspective, it, it's hard. Um, another one, world movie, building.
3: I'm sorry. Turn no, no, go ahead because I'm talking a lot. Anybody interrupt? No, I think this movie had an opportunity to, uh, to do all that, to explore all those other characters and that's what I was excited for you know, I wanted to know more about Snoke. I wanted to know more about like Rey's, you know, lineage, or, you know, I wanted to know, uh, you know, all these, I had all these questions going into this film and it just seemed like I came out of it with with just more more questions. I didn't have any answers. You know, they just kind of, uh, in my opinion, I mean, they just kind of killed off everything. Everything that I liked about Force Awakens, they just destroyed. Literally, either blew it up or just killed somebody. You well, know? what did you
2: like about Force Awakens that was different here?
3: Well, I mean, it's set up. It was all new characters. You know, I, I was excited to re, You know, to, to meet all those new characters, uh, droids, uh, places, planets, and I wanted to know more about it. You know, and I got like the the very end for Force Awakens, for instance. Uh, when Ray, you know, finally meets Luke, you get to see Luke, I, I mean, I was, I mean, I was like in tears, you know, she hands him, hands him the lightsaber, I could not wait to see what was going to happen, and then, you know, I go see Last Jedi, and then Luke just throws the lightsaber over his shoulder, I, I was like, I, I couldn't believe it, when I was, I was sitting in a the theater, I just, I was like, this, to me, that, that wasn't Star Wars, in my opinion, you know, so, and I just felt this point, you know, like, you know, I, I'm sure everybody saw it, but like, I wanted to know more about Snoke. I mean, what's-, what's yeah, Everybody did, yeah. And then they just just kill him off, you know? Every, like, again, once again, uh, I love Poe Dameron's, you know, his black one, X-Wing. You know, I got the little toy and everything. They blew it up, you know? Everything that I loved about Force Awakens, it just seemed like in, in Last Jedi, they just just got rid of it, you know? And there's even that line, for instance, which I take a little offense to, uh, where I think when Kylo says, let, let the past die, you know i mean i felt like he was talking about me you know like a an original 1977 star wars fan he's like ah, well this isn't for them anymore this is for the newer audience you know what i mean that's that's how i took it so so anyway
2: no a lot of people read that line that way you know ken what do you think i mean that, that line has been interpreted to be ryan johnson saying that about all the lore and all the expectations right
0: that's that's what folks have said but i i don't subscribe to that not even in the slightest there was a lot more i think a lot deeper stuff than than ryan johnson giving the middle finger to 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 og fans i don't take it (laughs) that way at all
2: well i think one of the things going back to world building and this this does bother me probably more than cancel my just saying something um is the crepe the battle of crepe Right, so the Battle of Crate, we're introducing new speeders, these giant M6 walkers, a new world, you know, this giant blast door that the rebels have hidden behind, the resistance has hidden, written behind. And the design team designed these M6 walkers and have these trebuchets, right, these little, these things that launch these, you could see them on the design, they're pretty evident, these these giant like bombs, I guess, and they're pretty useful because yeah, there's a door there. So these giant walkers are either going to bash into the door, or launch the weapons, the bombs, and try to break the door. And it has the makings of one of the greatest scenes in all time, right? So it's not just the walker scene from Empire Strikes Back, but it's the walker scene plus all these other stuff. So that, to me, is, the, is a setup for one of the greatest scenes in Star Wars. Instead, what you get are these speeders that come out that don't do... They they have weapons that couldn't damage my own car. Right. There's no purpose to any of what happens in, in that scene. You know, all the speeders get blown up, and, and and Rose blows up the last one. Right. But leave aside the story part of it. In the game, uh, the Battlefront 2, the designers actually added stuff to that scene, these holes in the ground where the walkers can fall into the M6s. They added, you know, additional gun turrets, they added underground you know, caverns and walkways and all, basically what you see on the surface is not what you see. It's a whole bunch of stuff on the ground. And even though visually, when you see the speeders going by the salt lakes, it's gorgeous. You see this red stuff, these red stones kicking up. It is gorgeous. No one's going to argue that. But if you could imagine in your mind's eye, what a scene would have looked like where these giant, walkers are lobbying trebuchet bombs at this door and these speeders are potentially getting in the way to blow them up the only way they can do it is to blow them up or run into the bombs that's an entirely different movie that's a much better movie with all the exact same elements that they have set up in that scene right and i think that's where i don't know what the purpose of that scene was you know, you know, we find out that Finn would have, you know, killed himself in order to save the the the, the resistance. We already kind of knew that, but it was good to see it. But from a world building point of view, when you have all these great toys and you don't use any of them, it's really a missed opportunity, right? And I think that's one of the things that makes me as a, to me, and again, it's my opinion, Star Wars is all about these great battles too. It's all about the stuff that just can't happen on Earth because it's so over-the-top ridiculous, right? If you could imagine like one of the smaller walkers going down and a bigger walker trampling over it to get through, and then all of a sudden the rebels blow this up and this thing goes down and just, you could just think of a million things to do with those toys, and they did none of them. Why do you have M6 tanks walkers that are much larger, twice the size of walkers if you're not going to use them? Why are you going to have this giant gun i just thought it was kind of yeah silly.
1: this this should have been like that epic hoth battle scene and well I, that hoth plus
2: right hoth yeah,
1: deluxe right that i i get i mean i wonder where on earth how these things all of a sudden just show up there like and where is it well, if this cannon is such a big deal how come it's not actually blowing through that door and there's time to like do other stuff and those like ice foxes whatever the hell they call those those are cool i want to know more about those guys yeah. where they come from they obviously weren't afraid of the people so that's a thing right right
2: why why do the speeders all go in a group and they all get blown up because they're all in a group as opposed to just going in different directions right like why create distraction like none of it right and i think where i'm getting at here is at some point the director chose to do what he did but there were better choices to be made and there are not a lot of films star wars films that you can say there are much better choices to be made right even you could say all you want about the prequels and you could talk about the bad acting which everybody does and it is bad but you get used to it but you don't go into action sequences and go well that could have been better if i did this almost every star wars film has incredible action sequences right even Demetrius, you have to admit, Solo had some pretty good ones. The train scene.
1: It it totally did. I mean, and this kind of goes back to it's the business nerd in me. Did they run out of budget? That's a question. But I guess as they're planning these, I would imagine they're thinking about the whole story arc and they're planning like, hey, these are the three big scenes that we want to invest our time and dollars in because they've got to be epic that's the stuff that people leave with i would think this would be one of them unless it was one of those where they got to like oh shit this is all the stuff we'd like to do but we don't have enough time or money so yeah, but this we is don't really end. have enough ep- right but like it, was it bad business management or was it bad creative
0: yeah i think with the business management side of things this movie worked better than a lot of the other ones i mean look back at um Irving Kershner's movie. How much over budget was he with *The Empire Strikes Back*? You you don't hear any of that sort of talk about *The Last Jedi*, whether it was over budget or they had to you know go longer in in filming. None of those things happened with Ryan Johnson's movie. And when you listen to the folks talk about the movie, that the movie that was on film was kind of the movie that ryan made from the beginning so it didn't have all the other drama that was involved with the other sequel movies so whether you're talking the force awakens or the rise of skywalker or even the standalone movies
2: or solo that was specifically solo
0: bit, right? yeah. ryan johnson was tapped to do this movie ryan johnson did this movie on time and uh, you know at budget so the business side of things i don't think it was a matter of not having money to do other stuff, this is what Ryan Johnson wanted to show the world, and the team got behind him and made that happen.
2: Yeah, I think Ken's right. I mean, if you read the book, The Making of, this is kind of what they storyboarded, right? And I think that's that's again going back to the the whole premise of this podcast, talking about the makers of the films. And, and the with that
0: said, what were some of the other elements for the? You know, specifically, you're talking about Crate. What were the other elements beyond just the, the visuals of the battle? What were the other parts to that piece of the story?
2: What do you mean? Uh, in what way?
0: So, for instance, where was Finn in that, that part of the story? What was Kylo doing in that part of the story? What was the, the First Order versus the, the, re- the remaining parts of the Resistance? What were they doing? not just about the the scenes and the, the the ships and and the battles but what was going on in the story at that time
2: yeah yeah the, the the reason i'm dealing with the visuals and and the world building is because that's kind of the topic i could change over um but I, and i think that that's there's so i'll give one last world building and then we'll get into that kind of stuff right um because i think it's a different discussion right because i think where i i believe the film could have done made different choices um in the world building i also think there's a lot of character arc stuff that could have been done and and story narrative stuff that could have been done differently um the last one i'll get into with the world building is probably the first the first battle that you get into with these bombers which i like the idea of these world war ii bombers with gunner positions and all those things at the the beginning of the film Um, i think the, the 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 so the trench scene from Star Wars A New Hope has to be one of the top five scenes in all movie history ever, right? I've watched that a million times like everybody else. And, and even though the, 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 the special editions add some CG to it, it's really the same scene, just a little prettier looking. And the narrative, the tension, everything about that scene is, is so perfect that you wouldn't want to change anything about it, right? Um, or not anything substantial. And I think Rogue One had just incredible space battles. Um, you know, they were sort of parallel with what was going on on the ground, and the prequels, especially um, Revenge of the uh, of the Sith, had another great space battle. It was a little bit truncated; it wasn't a narrative. There's just things going on, and there wasn't a story being told in space because they were actually going somewhere. But it was still pretty goddamn exciting. And I think at the beginning of of the Last Jedi, you have Poe leading sort of an attack on the the the, the, the star destroyer um, that brings up these five bombers. And when that scene starts, and I actually remember how I felt in the theater, I'm like, this is exciting as hell. But as soon as the battle started, I thought too much narrative was given inside the ships and, and, and Rose's sister, and it just kind of became silly, right? Do you have all these, Tide fighters and five bombers That's all you have. five bombers and they're pretty big They're not small and if they get hit Once they just blow up and then In fact one blew up and took out two other ones I'm like what the hell was a point Why would you stick these bombers next to each other If these things can Just self explode Like that
3: you know and They were slow too they were very slow
2: They were very slow
3: right I didn't get it
2: out. Do you guys remember Memphis Bell which uh, yeah, The movie yeah. Memphis Bell Yeah 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 Memphis Belle had like three scenes in it where these B-29 bombers, which are also, which are, these are based on that story, the Memphis Belle story with these little planes, it was like the same scene, but in space, right? These little planes are defending against you know, the, the Nazi planes are coming in and, and, you know, pilots were dying, just protecting these bombs. None of that stuff happened here, right? There was no epicness to it. It was just like a really cool visual. And then, All of a sudden you're down to one ship and you're thinking this ship is by itself. Just blow it up. Like you have 3000 TIE fighters. How can you not blow up that ship? And I know that this is a fantastical movie and that we're supposed to leave our brains behind. But at some point you start thinking, this is just silly. Like it's silly because it feels forced to me because I know the story is supposed to rely on this girl who hits the button and it's all dramatic, but it just doesn't feel like it really happened to me. Uh, and I think that's where the world building starts falling apart is these scenes that are supposed to be the, 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 the signature battles of each of these Star Wars movies just falls flat because they were trying to do some other thing that we're talking about in a narrative that intruded with what the enjoyment of that scene was for me. You know, which should have been exciting as, 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 as hell, but it just wasn't. And, and I want to get everybody's opinion uh, as to what you think about that scene.
5: first all right hey so I'll, i'll drop the accent for now uh because that opening scene i feel like i've seen it before that's so it starts off with the empire i'm sorry the first order coming across a rebel base and the i'm sorry the resistance base and the resistance has to protect transports as they try and get off the planet i feel like i've seen it before that's the empire strikes back So even the transports, when the transports are all taken off, the only difference is it's not a snow plant. But that whole opening scene immediately, I was like, this is because, again, the way Empire opened that I didn't understand why you would open another trilogy, the middle movie with the same opening of Empire Strikes Back, you know, and it was protecting transports as they get off. So it was, again, one of those very similar things. And I don't understand that part of it. And the bombers and everything was cool. Um, except, by the way, when that remote control fell, she missed it. Oh, yeah, she that's missed.
2: a weird editing. She, that she
5: absolutely missed it in that edit. I can't believe that thing went live because it blew right past her. <laughs> Unless she's got Fantastic Four arms reaching back there, snatching that thing out of the out of the air. That was, that was very strange. And I remember in the theater, everyone was like, what? like it was just it was you know shocking the bombers very cool you know gravity and space i still don't get that but um but the whole thing is it's just too similar to empire and that was my problem with that scene visually it was amazing and how when the bombs did get you know did get deployed and they took out that i can't remember the name of the big the big ship there finalizer. Um, what is it the finalizer no no it, it was there's a dread
2: it, the class was dreadnought
5: like- the oh, okay. dreadnought And it took that thing out. That was amazing. I mean, you know, and the visuals are great. Yeah. And, you know, so that was my only thing. It was just too much like Empire Strikes Back. But did you feel
2: any of you feel at any point that. There was some danger there for the good guys. I mean, and that's the whole point of what I'm trying to say, right? So if you have this devast- this dreadnought and it has this big giant you know, penis gun at the bottom of it and it's loading up, at no point do you feel like, oh my God, they've got 10 seconds. Oh my God, it's going to blow. They got to get this thing before this thing happens. Like you don't feel any of that stuff. You don't feel any of that. And I think that that's a filmmaking choice, right? Like, so I'll give Ryan the credit to say that he made that choice as opposed to he couldn't figure out how to make that choice. But I didn't feel any tension there. You know, and you have Poe going rogue. You know, Princess Leia or General Leia saying, you can't go after that ship. No way, these are world killers. We're going to go after this thing and give it everything we got. It doesn't matter if we lose everybody. Right? It doesn't matter. It's worth that shot. You didn't feel any of that stuff. It was in the dialogue. But movies that, that have dialogue that don't kind of make you feel it or kind of fall flat. And that's where I, I, I that scene... Um, fell flat to me and all the scenes that I'm talking about are falling flat to me because it just felt like there was something else going on that didn't really the narrative didn't stick it or the the emotions didn't stick it like when they are departing when you have these transport ships toward the middle when they get off crate I can't it's it's a narrative issue but the whole idea of of the fact that these ships are following these other ships for most of the film It is the most. I'm just gonna say, it it is the most ridiculous choice in a movie that I think I have ever seen.
1: Do you think it was part of it? Like, don't could you say that it was done intentionally to show how disorganized the rebels were and how really rudderless? and leaderless they were like yeah they had leia but she's just one person that's kind of on her way out yeah, and they had laura dern who i still think is a bad casting choice as you know and maybe good at what she did but still a weak leader and not enough people and it was almost the way like oh my god like we really need someone to rise up and if you think about it this that
0: was that was the, the the point that they were getting to i mean that was the last bit of the resistance three capital ships and all those transports when they, by the time they finally got the crate it was even fewer they had enough people left to 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 all huddle into the falcon yeah.
1: so like even having bad fighting sequences of bombers like why would you put them in a row because it's buffoonery like that's how bad they were and decimated by that point it's like the eagles right it's yeah but,
2: should... but the, the 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 what the uh... <laughs> <laughs> at no point have they ever in any star wars film set up that the rebels we're just buffoons, right? Like, and I'm not saying even in this film, they didn't set up Haldo as a buffoon. They set her up as a, you know, by the book sort of follower, right? But I think that there's a bigger point here and it's a narrative point, forget the characters, think about the story that you're telling, right? So they're telling a story here that the rebels just follow orders, even though she's not telling anybody what she's doing and everyone's okay with that, even though 10 feet behind us is this giant devastator star destroyer that for some reason the lasers aren't as effective, which makes no sense at all, right? And that's where I start getting really angry. It's like none of this whole sequence, none of it makes sense. All of it is just completely
0: ridiculous. You know that there's a giant space bear dog flying a spaceship in these movies, right? The what? (laughs) That there's a giant space bear dog that as a co-pilot in a spaceship. Yeah, but right. Ken, if you're gonna,
2: if you're gonna say that, then the whole thing doesn't work, right? So there is an internal logic to these films that they broke in this film, right? So as each of these films starts running out of fuel, their little ships, their shuttle ships race into this big star the big lead ship in the beginning of it, right? They can race up. How come these giant star destroyers and you know, literally the entire first order fleet, none of them. Can race up to go to the front. I mean, Mm -hmm. how does how did the how did Kylo Wren get there with those TIE fighters?
5: That was the same thing that I said, you know, earlier about they they Rose and Finn took off in a ship that had light speed. They took off in a ship that had light speed to go to Canabyte. And the fleet is trying to get to Crate to send a communication. So that didn't make sense because again, if you have something that's capable of light speed, it, it was, and even when I, when I first watched it, I and uh, sure the code breaker to stop them from, but if the idea is, is they they are trying to get a communication out for reinforcements, um, I and 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 I think do tie fighters have the ability to go in the light speed? Yeah, they do in the sequels. In the sequel, they do. Yeah. So that's, and I think
0: I don't know if it's the same kind of tie fighter or not.
5: Yeah, so they had Tie Fighters, they have, but yet they're all in this like convoy, uh, where they they they're all going at impulse power, you know. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things there to just it's, and also the introduction of fuel. I don't remember fuel ever being a, a Star Wars thing. Um, what about the Solo movie? Well, that yeah, that came after. I think Solo was after that, right? I
2: don't. The, Solo had the idea of transfer of of really? of fuel but it wasn't in the same way it was almost like fusion reactor elements yeah. i guess we never really saw them draw. Look, my biggest problem is that the whole scene didn't make sense and, if, and yeah. i think if we can't just admit that then we're not being realistic right like okay we love star wars i love star wars i mean look at my whole goddamn room right yeah i'm a 52 it's- year old guy but that scene none of it makes sense and what angers me is the lasers aren't as effective from this range you're right next to them where's the <laughs> lasers effective when they go like when you're actually hitting the other ship that's where I start to just get so angry because it just doesn't make any sense. And it's just, you know what it is? It's pretentious. You're breaking the rules. Yes, it is a giant space dog. But we've grown to accept that giant space dogs exist. But we've also grown to expect that the Clone Wars had ships fighting further out than those ships and that ships behind the other ship
5: blowing the shit out of each other. When well, you guys right? are talking about space dog, are you guys talking about barf? Yes, we're talking about oh, like baseball, okay, right? Yeah. Okay, all right. And, 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 and,
2: and, and, you know, when I did, and all of us take our job seriously. When I did design, I would seriously go into, you know, whatever show I was doing, Transformers, and I would take that shit seriously. Yeah, yeah. That was my job. I don't think that these, like, I don't know who did it, okay? I have no idea. So I'm going to re- blame Ryan Johnson because he's in charge. I don't think he took it seriously.
1: But it, there's got to be people, A, that know if he was a tyrant and had them change everything. Because, like, the, what you're there's talking no about with the lasers, but no there's, one. it's cannon. There's no way that Doug Chang didn't be like, ah, Ryan, I hear what you're saying, but like, that's not how these guns actually work. It actually does this. Oh, okay. Like,
2: See, that's Unless he was off.
1: controlling all of it. Well, director, hear about that.
2: And no one's heard any stories. I mean, I haven't seen, I looked before this episode. I haven't seen any stories at all. Not just about this, but Solo either. Ryan
1: Johnson,
0: Solo either. Like, and that that was filled with like trouble. That's why I started off our conversation with that that excerpt. You know, while while it is true Ryan Johnson was the director, he was definitely not working in a vacuum. He had all of these team members who got behind the story. They were less concerned with the physics of the ships and the and the armaments and where they parked and all that and was more focused on the story aspect of it. Well, Ken, I that's think, an
2: assumption though. Why would they design trebuchets into M6s if they weren't going to use them?
0: If we look at any of those Star Wars art books that we're talking about from the 1979 book on, there is so much that shows up in those design books. Yeah, but Ken, this was, this was in the film.
2: This was in the film. Like the design for that M6 is in the film. It
0: that- didn't serve the story. And when we're talking about the vehicles, the vehicles serve a couple different purposes in, in these movies. One, transportation to a place, from a place. Also, there's an opportunity for them to tell the story on that ship. So it serves as a, a vehicle of transportation and a vehicle of the story. And I think if we get caught up in... The the physics and the sci the science fiction aspects of it, then we're we're not paying attention to the stories that are there. Yeah, but can you know, so you and- talk about the the the, the bombing run? Mm-hmm. Look at the characters that are involved in the bombing run, and pay attention to their stories. What are happening in those moments where we're learning about the characters and the changes that happen to them over time you know, so I've mentioned this before, and I'll say it again here, because I think it's worthy of repeating, that one of the, from my perspective, one of the most beautiful things about Star Wars, from the original movie in 77, all the way up to the the, the rise of Skywalker, we get to explore the advancements in storytelling, from a, a technology standpoint, from a, a film standpoint, we also get to look at Wonderful wonderful philosophy and development of individuals and the choices that they make. And so if you're talking about the bombing run and choices, Poe Dameron chose in that moment to not follow orders, to continue on, and a whole lot of people died because of his choice. Leia demoted him, so he was no longer a leader in the resistance. She demoted him for his actions. So what happened from there to the rest of the story? What changed for Poe for the rest of the story based on the actions that he took, the choices he took in the story? And when we look at those pieces of the movies and not get so caught up in the nitty gritty, I mean, I've heard people complain that they've never seen a bathroom on these ships until they, they got to see it in the Mandalorian. Or how come you never see people eating in Star Wars? Because that's not necessarily what these movies are about. They're not meant to be a reflection of one-on-one of what really happens in the real world. Yeah, but Ken, I'm going to I'm gonna take
2: an opposition to that. And I want to preface this by saying, I respect the hell out of your opinions, but I can disagree. And I think what you're doing here is you're saying that these story elements, you kind of talked about the bathrooms. No one's talking about the bathrooms. They're talking about the entire visual purpose. Star Wars is meant to be a space saga. And if you can't get the space battle part right, if you can't get the giant battles at the end right, if you can't get the planets at the signature planets that that are the hallmark of Star Wars, then you failed. Right. That's why this movie is so bitter between different people. Right. And that's why it's the one that you know, even everybody here who loves Star Wars we watched it once. That's very rare. And there's a reason yeah. for that. It just isn't that entertaining. And if, and if we start looking for subscript and what they really meant, then we're watching a different film, that one that's in our heads. It's not what was on film, right? And what was on film is a failure, in my opinion, right? My opinion. And it's a failure because if you're looking at the motivation for the characters in a space battle, you the whole purpose of the space battle is to entertain you. It's not to think about what was Rose's sister thinking about. You don't even know who she is, right? Like, okay, we're talking about Poe. You mentioned Poe. Poe broke Leia's rules. Okay, what if Poe was right? Let's have that debate, not us, but let's have Leia and Poe have that debate, right? He was talking about world killers, right? He was talking about these dreadnoughts are world killers. Why wasn't the choice by the director to have the dreadnought kill half the the rebellion or the resistance to keep changing the world, right there to show us that they're world killers. Don't tell us, show us. This is a movie, not a book right show us that they're world killers and why they just destroyed was gonna the base
0: do- what the dreadnought had just destroyed the base and needed Wait, to that recharge. was empty there was no one on it they didn't know that when they fired yeah, but from we the knew dreadnought, that they-
2: we knew that because leia's daughter said everyone's evacuated off the base you just lost all the narrative you lost all the narrative tension all the drama all of it's gone because you know it's empty
0: Right? The, We're going to the, kill them off order, anyway, randomly the at the end of the The First Order didn't know it was empty. That's why they fired on it.
2: Yeah, but Ken, you're missing my point. The director controls every aspect of the reality of this film. And
0: Kathleen Kennedy allowed him to. No, now you're changing the topic. See, that's what I don't want to do. The director made this movie, not Kathleen Kennedy. My point is with that, to me, Anthony, if <clears throat> the folks at Lucasfilm and Disney wanted a different movie... Uh, can you gotten, change in the subject? No Look, not. You're saying you that you're saying that Ryan Johnson was in control, which I agree. He's the director, he's in control. And right. we right. also have historic examples of folks not agreeing with what was being done and they changed them. So if they didn't want Ryan Johnson to do what Ryan Johnson did, they wouldn't have allowed Ryan Johnson to do it. They yeah, but that's not
2: what Yeah, but that's not the topic. Ryan Johnson chose those things. Yes. Right. And so, why can't we criticize them for cha- making those choices? You're giving it to Kathleen Kennedy and you're giving it to the art team. Everybody was at fault. No, the director controls all of those things. And the director was given carte blanche to make a movie, then he's going to make his movie or her movie. Right. And they should be the ones that we're talking about. And that's, and this is, you know, it used to be called Thank the Makers. It is now called Forces Behind Star Wars. And I just think Brian Johnson made some really bad choices. He seems like a nice guy. He spent the whole day with Star Wars Celebration, meeting people after hours. I'm not talking about how nice he is. I'm not talking about how any of that stuff. He made, in my opinion, a lot of bad choices. And there are choices that other directors in Star Wars, even movies that, that people don't like as much, didn't make those same choices, right? There's a whole history of how the Jedi, we were talking about the narrative, the whole history of how the Jedi were the good guys, and we've had really good debates about whether were they really the good guys or not, and that was a choice that I thought that's a good discussion to have, Ryan Johnson. That's a really good choice. So you can give him some of the choices. It's not all universally bad choices, but in a space battle that is just silly.
5: I mean, I don't know who else. Who else do you do you look at, right? I mean. No, it, it is, you know, the, the one thing is, it, it is, you know, it and, and it's his call and he's, he's, they asked him, would you change anything? He said he wouldn't change a thing. And that's, that's the thing. Everyone knows that does art, you know, once you release it, you know, um, it's one of the hardest things in the world. There's a lot of people that do art and yeah. don't let anyone look at it, you know, so, but, uh, but JJ Abrams wrote a draft for, you know, a part, you know, both uh, episode eight and episode nine. And when, Ryan came in, he basically scrapped the entire thing, and in fact, you know, it, it's been quoted that, that there was nothing left, you know, from that draft of the, uh, of the second of the trilogy, and my big problem is with Disney and with, you know, and, and, and I'm sure they've learned from it, if you're going to, you know, introduce a trilogy, have a plan. You know, have you know have a storyline? You know, I mean, stick out. to the plan, right? Because I mean, to the plan, and and we could say what we want against episode one, two, and three, but there was a definite plan, how that was going to play out. And this one, you and you know, I mean, heck, you know that the the second one, the one we're talking about today, the Last Jedi, we know that it it didn't hit, it didn't check all the boxes because Ryan Johnson was taken off the project he was supposed to do. you know the uh, episode eight and nine he was taken off the project they brought in jj and then of course in episode nine it was pretty retroactive like to fix things that were done in the second one
0: so you have to remember too with jj was asked at the beginning to do the three yeah he said he wouldn't do the three yeah he did the first one and jj wasn't the first choice for the last one it was Cali no, Trevorrow. Was so Trevorrow. once again, going back to the idea of yeah. if the folks at Lucasfilm had wanted a different movie, they would have made sure that a different yes. movie was made. Yes.
2: Now, I would agree then, with Ken. Ken is right
5: about that, right? So yes, Ken, you are right. Of course you're right about that. Yeah.
0: And right. I
5: think because of that, this, this is how we got The Mandalorian. A plan.
2: Yeah, but, but,
5: but there right. was a plan.
2: Kathleen, to Ken's point yeah let him deviate from that plan which was a mistake right so ken is right kathleen kennedy and whoever else is at the upper echelon of these things said all right here's ryan johnson do whatever you want that was a tremendous mistake it was a risk first of all i think the trevorrow script that was just leaked again that shows you where that arc was gonna go right like finn leads the rebellion which i think was always the character intention for him um And, you know, Rise of Skywalker is not a perfect film, but I think it had a lot of things to do. I just, and again, I I get heated and I apologize. I'm not taking it out on anybody in particular. I'm taking it out on Ryan Johnson, but I think what we saw in this movie is a lot of good ideas, but a lot of, you know, it's almost egalitarian. Like I know more than you guys who love these films. So I'm going to do my version of it, whether it matches what anybody expects or wants, whatever. And I think it was just a really kind of a weird choice, right? Because we we haven't talked about the narrative yet, but when I left that film, I actually was sitting there when the credits rolled up and I almost felt embarrassed. I felt embarrassed and I went in with so much expectation and I'm an adult and I felt embarrassed that the lights came up and people, and I felt like nobody was looking at me, but I felt like people were looking at me thinking, this is what you came in for? Do you feel like an idiot for liking these films now? I felt embarrassed to be a Star Wars fan. That's the only time I've ever felt that. And I haven't liked everything that's been done. And, you know, and and I wasn't even one of the guys that cared about Luke's arc as much as other people did. You know, I would just, the stuff that I talked about here at the beginning, that's what I cared about. It's like, you took the core elements of Star Wars away or didn't do what other directors have done. I'm not even saying what I would have done. I'm just only saying what I'm doing because it's a podcast and we have a, you know, we want to talk. It just really didn't feel like a Star Wars film. And when I watch it now, say what you will about JJ's films. There is not a minute in those films that the actors aren't really entertaining, right? You don't have to like what they said or the story arc, but when Phil, you know, when, when, when Finn is talking to solo or any of those actors talking to anybody, it's entertainment. Like, wow, this is really cool. Why was that gone from this? I mean, I felt like dread, and I like I said earlier, I felt like they were reading scripts. You know, Ray's arc, like Ray basically goes evil on Luke Skywalker because he won't answer her. Luke is so negative throughout the film. You know, there's there's things that happen that Luke could have justified what happened. I mean, shit. You know, Kylo Ren was gonna kill people.
5: Yeah, well again and it's also anthony you know like any of the one any one of us that read the timothy zahn books you know you we we went into these things with so much expectation and and again i think less great trailer right remember the trailer oh it's outstanding i mean all the trailers are great and but the lessons learned are you know to have a plan have a you know every story has a beginning a middle and end that's what a trilogy is is the beginning the middle you know to me you know uh, of course each movie has the same but um, but to have that plan, and I think that really is one of the main reasons we got, you know, a Mandalorian, this this plan and this great arc that you know got better in the second season, and just you know with uh, John Favreau, and it's a shame, uh, Ken, as you said, you know, it's a shame he didn't, you know, come in. I would have loved to see his take, and I hope they give him something. Uh, you know, I hope he directs the Mandalorian Wars. I hope that is one of those untitled Star Wars projects that's uh in the pipeline. I would love to see the Battle of Mandalore directed by you know Favreau in on the big screen, you know, but I think, you know, that's a lessons learned from this. And but again, you know, you, you you know it's a lot of, you know, uh, you know, finger pointing or it can be, but at the same time, you know, it's hard to watch because because it's Luke, it's our childhood and and Dex, you you know, that's your big thing is and and the one quote, you know, that uh is Mark Hamill's quote that he Later retracted was at one point he had to say to Ryan, I pretty much fundamentally disagree with every choice you've made for this character. Now, having said that, I've gotten it off my chest, and now my job is to take what you've created and do my best to realize your vision, you know. And that again, because I think we all felt the same way as Mark Hamill that that's not the loop that he envisioned and stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that went on there, um, you know, but when it comes down to it, it it, it is the director, and he, but I will give. Ryan credit he stands behind his movie and he's not <laughs> and you know and you know but if we all had any art that we've done we all wish we could have done it differently but once it's out there there's nothing you can do unless you're George Lucas and you do a special edition special edition special edition and you keep adding stuff but everyone oh, else also too
0: looking out. at this set of movies in comparison to the others so how many years were there in between the original trilogy movies two or three Three, right three years in between each how many years were in between the prequel trilogy three years in between each and they were only working on those movies with the sequel trilogy there was only two years in between each and they were working on other stuff they were working on other movies they were working on animated things so there was a lot more star wars in a much smaller place
5: yeah, but they These didn't, were they, a reason didn't... why you would want to have uh, a plan. You
0: would well, yeah, also have with that plan in, in mind. Second, third movie. So, we started off with the, the original trilogy. Yeah. The prequel trilogy, they knew that they had an end place. They yeah. knew that the story would have to go from somewhere to where, it's, where a new hope started. We didn't have any of that for the sequel trilogy. It was, you know, the galaxy far, far away. Who knows where it's going to go?
2: No, they did know. It was, I mean, that's what the Trevor script was. I mean, I think but that it,
0: Trevorrow script wasn't that, that yeah. didn't exist when they they had when they were working on this.
2: No, well, you're right. It didn't exist, but it was based on the original JJ outline. And I think someone at Lucasfilm leaked it on purpose because they were pissed at Brian Johnson.
0: Yeah. But Maybe it
2: was at the reactions of people, hey, why did the Rise of Skywalker turn out this way? Well, this is what we originally had in mind.
5: But yeah. it was Greenlit as a trilogy. And if you're gonna greenlit a trilogy, have a plan.
2: Yeah, but Steve, they had a plan. They they deviated from yes. the plan. How do you think a script like that even gets released to the public? And then Lucasfilm says, "Yeah, that's it." Like Lucasfilm said, that is the script that we were gonna write. We were gonna shoot. That that there's a lot of politics behind somebody saying yes to that. You know that 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 wasn't an accident. There are people pissed about what happened, and embarrassed because they get a lot of shit from people like me. <laughs> Um, uh, going back at them. And I think, hey, we got to release this stuff because it wasn't my fault. I didn't do it. And 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 to, to, to the other point, the arc that was created was that here is in, in a sense almost Finn. I want to say Finn was the the hero of the whole thing, but Finn was the stormtrooper that gets the other stormtroopers to say, hey, this whole subjugation system, we're we're not in this willingly. Screw this stuff. We're out of here. That to me, and, and obviously that is what Trevor's uh, script was. That's the end, right? That's the end. The, the, and then what's, what's the other thing? There is no good and bad. There's gray, because that's reality, right? So there was a real end to this, but the deviation made it almost impossible to get back to that point. You know, you have to bring back the emperor because where's the, you kill the bad guy? I mean that that right there made no sense. Yeah, yeah that was a tough one. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to see Mandalorian. You're going to see, you know, the, 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 a lot of the shows that come out in that time period, try to do what Clone Wars did, which is to retroactively sort of fix these things. Right. So you see the Mandalorian already putting in the clones of Snoke. Right. And, you know, Baby Yoda, you know, we don't any of us know what's going on, but some people suspect that Baby Yoda's entire arc is to create genetic material for the Emperor to come back right like i guess they're going to get into that at some point um but anyway i think meet meet you have to go correct
1: i do yeah this was lively debate enjoyed as always but uh you guys continue on
0: all right thanks to it's great thank you yeah great to see you guys also
1: yeah
3: bye-bye
2: all right now we're going to go to dexter dexter you want to talk about some art direction issues
3: i do actually um I want to get back to what you were saying and how disappointed you were at the end of the film. Because for me, once again, when I was discussing the end of Force Awakens, you know, I was very emotional. I couldn't wait and couldn't wait. And I went into this movie. I mean, I had a a pocket full of tissues. Like I thought, you know, whole thing with when you saw the trailer, I was like, okay, Leia is probably not going to make it. You know, I was ready for just a ball, like just balling session, you know. And uh, unfortunately, I never even grabbed the tissues out of my pocket. And by the end of the film, like, like you, Anthony, I, I was, I wasn't, uh, I forgot the, the word you used, but I was more like, like pissed off, honestly, like after that. So I didn't even stay for the credits. And I mean, uh, this is the first time I just literally just got up and walked out. I was so upset and everything. But with that being said, uh, artistically and visually it, it's gorgeous I mean it's just absolutely gorgeous so well designed I mean the ships themselves I mean the whole uh, like Snoke ship for instance which is I want to bring up
2: oh, that's I a mean, gorgeous
3: ship the most beautiful like scenes and colors like the reds and you know the Praetorian guards I'm not sure if I said that right but just all those were like so cool looking and and then you had like the lightsaber battle which was very entertaining but I mean just, just the design elements of everything. Remember the parts when uh I guess after it got hit uh, from the light speed uh the whole the hold door uh move maneuver, or whatever yep. you call it. Uh when when the flags are burning in the background and it's just it was just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. So but yeah, I I'd never want to take that away from you know Ryan Johnson's film. I mean, it it's top rate design, visually beautiful. Uh it just all the other things that <laughs> kind of don't work for me so i just i mean look at look
2: at the red like so the red in snoke's room is the first time that they really tried to design a mood into those kind of rooms right because the, the 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 death star is sort of functional right it's a, it's a big mechanical thing and you see a lot of exposed ductwork. work and even the emperor's throne room is really just this really tiny thing with like catwalks and like a giant chasm that's going into the ground there's no mood there but if you look behind Ken right I mean that's that's a hell of look at that
3: absolutely gorgeous yeah
2: it's and it's the first time it's always really said hey the bad guys have a lot of money you know some of them want to flaunt it and then look what he's wearing right so he's wearing his golden robe
3: right so there's a lot of ego
2: there
0: There a little fancy ring with the obsidian on it
3: that's right that's right
0: yeah, you still have those
2: weird things hanging from the ceiling, but you also have this mood that he's trying to establish that he's in charge. He's a king.
3: And like, how cool were those guards? You know what I mean? Like, oh, saying, yeah. the other ones like, uh, you know, and um, Return of the Jedi and stuff like that, but they don't really do anything. They just kind of stand there. You know, the, these guards, you know, they were in the battles, they all had different weapons, which is kind of cool, you know, like the whips and the, the staffs and everything it was so uh,
0: and you the know, breakaway oh, ones, the, the one that, that came apart into two right.
3: halves. Yeah, I mean, how cool was that, you know, so.
0: Well,
2: on Crate, yeah. too, the color of the red motif.
0: Oh, right. It's reused on Crate, right? Yeah, that was And cool. that was a throwback to Star Tours. So that, that right. scene where they, they flew the Millennium Falcon through the Crystal Caverns of, of Crate, mm-hmm. right. that was a throwback to the original Star Tours ride at Disney.
3: And to me, that's when it started to get real exciting. Like Anthony was bringing up when, like when the uh, M sixes showed up and all those AT were there. I mean, when when the Falcon showed up, you know that that was exciting, you know. And then you know the Tie Fighter battle sequence and everything. To me, that was more exciting than the actual crate battle, if you will. So
2: why is it that you walked out so angry? <laughs>
3: Like I said, this isn't a hate fest, so I, I can go yeah, on. No, but we're,
2: we're here it. to talk about the film. I mean, what is it that you didn't like about like it?
3: Like I said, it, every time I got excited about the film, I just felt like another gut punch, you know? I mean, from the very beginning of the film to the end of the film, it was like, and I accepted it every once in a while there's some cringe moments in other Star Wars films. And I'm like, all right, let's just get past this and we'll get to the good stuff. You know, from the very beginning, like you are saying, the, the, um, the prank call, You know, the whole prank call sequence between Hux and and Poe, I was like cringed. I mean, I couldn't, I'm like, this isn't Star Wars to me. And then all of a sudden, then Poe, you know, he does that maneuver in his X-Wing, you know, he's got that turbo in the back, you know, when he turns it around, just awesome. I think this is fantastic. This is great. He's hitting all the turrets and he's blowing everything up. And then, then you got like the bombers, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, once again, design wise, they look great. They're fantastic looking but you're right. They didn't seem like they had any sort of purpose. They're like very really slow, very um, easy to to, to destroy. Uh, so I just didn't seem, you know, and, once, and, and it just, it just kept going on and on. And like I said, at the end of uh, Force Awakens, I, I could not wait for that scene to come. You know, I was like, all right, the whole time in my mind, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to get to this Act 2 scene where Ray where is going to hand Luke the, the, the lightsaber and then you know, we all know what happens there, and then another gut punch. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then um, it just continued through. I mean, then the whole Leia sequence, for instance. Oh. You know, like I, I thought I was ready to break, break out my tissues. You know, I was like, this is it. You know, it just, I thought it I
2: thought she died. because we all knew that she died in real life. Right. And we thought that they just that's write
3: her out of <laughs> Yeah, it's the perfect way of getting the character. But then you know. And then she comes floating back like I'm Mary know, I'm Poppins, y'all. <laughs> Another gut punch. You know what I mean? It, it, I mean, I'm just speaking from my own experience. That's all. I'm not I know everybody else doesn't feel the same way, but that that was a gut punch. And meanwhile, Amor Akbar died. Nobody said anything about Nobody says Akbar. anything. Uh, I was dude. more sad about Akbar than I he, think I he should have more.
5: sacrificed, you know what? Because of all the fans that you know, like hold old, you know, uh Hold on, she didn't have to be in that. I mean, Edward was yeah. there. Yeah. If he was the one that sacrificed and did something that maneuver, man, we would all be like,
3: oh, okay. yeah, you know, no, what, would that have been? Yeah, that's yeah. the that
5: would... trap. Yeah, I got you, you know,
3: right, and right, exactly. So, yeah, that would have from independence
5: day. He could have yeah. repeated
2: the line for a minute, I'm back, I'm yeah. back.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. right, right, exactly, exactly.
2: You know, why I got so mad at the joke scene? I got mad at the joke scene because Hux yeah Huck's, call, the, yeah, the, the mother yeah, your mother called yeah. because Huck's, he's a great actor right yeah. uh, and Huck's in the last film just did Hitler so well when that first order oh, yeah. shoot off today will be remembered and it's just right. like total Hitler visual everything is yeah, just yeah. completely Nazi and this guy is a goddamn lunatic <laughs> yeah. and then they make him into a clown
3: Foon, yeah
2: that's yeah. what got me upset about it it wasn't that that i mean you could see poe saying something like that but i just didn't think that hawks would be that stupid
3: yeah and would the didn't the guy say something like i think he's uh he's, he's fooling you sir that's it thank you yeah he's fooling. <laughs> i'm like what the heck is going on it just didn't seem like star wars to me that's all you know
0: well i mean even the the, the the force awakens you know poe had that 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 silly sarcastic who talks first you talk first i talk first right. it's hard That's with right. so so they made him out to be the, the the cocky sure you know irreverent disrespectful kind of guy and that that was from what i understand was meant to to pick up on the the han solo ad lib from from the first death star right, right. where you yeah, made that little that call that how are you a boring conversation anyway and then blast the console right. Exactly.
3: Yeah, but
2: Hux's reaction should have been, destroy, you know, like something that Hux would say,
3: right? Not Even that, even that scene, like when, when they finally shoot the, um, you know, you see his eyes with the lights in his eyes. I mean, he looks like demonic, you know, when he's yelling. Oh, that to- scene was great. Yeah, it was really great. You
2: see the laser or whatever the hell he called that thing, in reflected
3: in his eyes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he but, demonic. What
2: happens is the, the, there's a character in that open the dreadnought scene that is the, the commander of the Dreadnought, which is, a, I like him quite a bit. He doesn't have gravity. a lot to say. Yeah, he's just like, we should have launched the TIE Fighters minutes ago, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right,
3: right.
2: That character to me rang more true of, of that, that part I liked,
5: right? Well, hey, but but I gotta say though, one thing with Hawks when they're inside, what's the big ad at? Do we know what they're called? What are they called? M6? M6? M6. Yeah. So when they blast the vision of Luke down there, and then afterwards he says, "Don't, don't lose your, you know." And they have this conversation, and then he's, and then uh, Kylo just throws him up against the wall with the force. Yeah, you push think and you got him? him? and and then you see the commander go right away, sir. That was funny as yeah, shit. That theater lost it. And I, that, like that, because the you know because the fury was all right there. It was Kylo just furious, right? And he's like he just, more. More yeah. and, all that. and then, and then when Hucks, like basically, Hucks is like trying to steer the ship, saying, Focus, man, we are here to, you know, the rebels are right there. And but that scene, I gotta say, in the theater, man, that was funny. That was well done. So that was well, what
0: are the, what's what is what are the components of timing or components of, of comedy delivery and timing or something? Yes, like that? and that had, the, that had that had that yeah, not had a funny it. guy, so I don't know what all those parts are, right, but I right. think they, they played into that one specifically. That one was great.
5: Yeah,
2: and I think a lot of this goes back to why I had the issues with it is because there are, you know, you got the best designers in the world, the best special effects company in the world. You had the best story, you know, the best saga in the world. And I think at the end of two and a half hours or whatever it was, we didn't really learn all that much, right? Because if you look at what actually ended up happening in the film, Luke died. Um, And the rebels are left for like, I don't know, 15 people. I don't know. Something like that, right? But, so if that's what you're going to end up with, from a story writing point of view, you have the end of The Force Awakens and this is where you're going to get to, you could approach that and reach that end in a million different ways. And my whole thesis is that I think that the way that they chose to do that was incorrect. Right? So, There's a lot of, you know, and I know the space dogs and all that, right, Ken? But when you launch these shuttles and your whole plan, you know, the whole thing with DJ and DJ gets caught trying to whole another ridiculous story, which is the the whole tracking stuff. I don't, it's not ridiculous to space track, but it's ridiculous that Finn and Rose figured out how to defray it in 30 seconds after learning what it is from zero, but forget all that for now the shuttles are g- coming off the main ship although thinks that if you scramble these shuttles that the signals that the ships that are literally right behind them are not going to see the ships going to the planet
0: they're right there yeah but they the one thing they did say is that they won't see them that was the they mentioned that right on screen that they were right but that's, that's what they call
2: a a a a, 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 a day six, machina in reverse it's like of course they see them they're right there right so I, I know that they said it because but it was it just a mistake like how do you not write look man it's just colossally bad choice. So you totally
3: glossed over what, what about phasma like i wanted to learn more about phasma well or... i listen i agree
2: with you i just want to close this off Because yes, Ken, they did say they can't see them. And yes, DJ, that's his big thing that he revealed Get all the money for was to tell them the transport ships were going off in the planet. A, the planet's right there. Did you not think that maybe somebody sees it? Of course they do. B, the Devastator, whatever it's called, is directly behind the other ship. There is zero way they're not going to see 35 transport ships coming off the ship. Well, they were them
3: off, weren't they? Weren't they, weren't they picking them off? As they they were, were only
2: picking them off after DJ told them they were there. Oh, that's the yeah. whole plan, mm-hmm. the whole plan. And oh, yeah. the right. reason that's it, because it breaks, there's a certain reality that you build in these things. So you know that lightsabers don't go on forever. They have an end. How does that end? I don't know. It's just Star Wars, right? You, to, there's a certain reality that some ships have hyperspace and some ships don't. Why? I don't know. They all look like the same size. So, and you just believe these things because if you don't, everything falls apart. So, for me, in that scene, when you have Snoke's ship and all these other ships that are so close to the other ship that the entire the entire premise of the chase scene was predicated on somehow hiding the planet crate and thirty five transport ships. I just I, that's when I actually do get angry.
0: Because yeah, I know
2: there were people there saying this is stupid, this makes no sense. So there was a scene in Star Trek Discovery where shuttle ships were leaving at the beginning of season one, and the, the Discovery pulled up and acted as a shield to protect, the, I guess if anybody watched Discovery, to protect these transport ships as the ships were going wherever they were going, right? That would have been cool
5: right but but the main thing remember the reason that they are getting to the planet is because there's an old rebel base where they can send out a communication did but they yet, ever
2: say that the ship didn't have yet any-
5: that little ship had light speed and it went over to uh canada and
2: yeah why didn't it just go to a planet
5: to, send it to get out of communication I, I i i don't get it and also by the way when they get into that thing and they, they talk about the fuel, they say they only have 18 hours left. So from that point in the movie and everything that happens, it supposedly takes place in 18 hours. It's one of those weird things. Now that I've said that, anyone who goes back and watches The Last Jedi, that 18-hour mark, I don't know why it was in the script. Because they, they jump three planets and all over the place, all within like 18. It, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah I've never been a fan doesn't... of
0: them actually using time on no, a I mean, reference plate because it sets you up for those kind of it does. Uh, hiccups. Yeah.
2: And and Ken, so just having this discussion, those kind of things, like why didn't why was it the mission? And look, there are other ships besides the shuttle that they stole. Hey, you guys go out and tell the world what's going on here. I don't know.
0: You know, like it's, it's
2: those sort of things that I just can't
0: so rise oh, of skywalker if we go back Earth- to the time thing they went to canto bite because they had them on that amount of time and they were trying to get to the rebel base to send out a, a much wider larger message to the galaxy looking for reinforcements and if you notice they didn't get them nobody came
2: yeah but, yeah, but, but even the, the with this point with why message- didn't it just they had so many ways to get the message out like so many different ways why didn't they just do the simplest thing like occam's razor right like look going to rise of skywalker other problems with that? Of course there are, right? So, you know, this planet that nobody knows is there. They built like a thousand of these Star Destroyers and you can only get in with this Wayfinder, right? Which is like McGiff- uh, what's it, McGuffin. McGuffin. What's McGuffin. McGuffin. I can't even remember McGuffin. the word. So I'm angry. Is that the best option? No, it's just a convoluted option. But the, the thing with that option is that it's not ridiculously stupid. And what I mean by that is, okay, it's convoluted and it's kind of weird and and there's better solutions but it's not so dumb that you couldn't say why didn't they just do this this and this which is what happens in the last jedi it's just a bad choice right so you can create a convoluted thing like you know the MacGuffin to find the the space navigation point for all the first order or final order fleet but man you know it's like it's just hard for me to I don't know, man. Like even now, how many years has it been? Like
0: four, five. Okay. I'm you can see I'm worked up about the stupid film. <laughs> yeah, but it come back to, to to all of these movies and some of the, the, the premises behind them. And I know I've said it to you in the past, and I'll say it again tonight. Choice. You get to pick. You get to decide whether you watch the movie again. You get to decide which parts you focus on and which ones you don't. You get to decide what all of it means to you. And so, if you want to go down that path of 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 all of the things you dislike and all of the things that you're not a fan of and they, that that frustrate you, then then own it, um, and allow other folks to 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 own their enjoyment of it. I mean, you you'd mentioned that you know this group only has some people who've seen it a few times. I've definitely seen it more than a few times, and I truly, absolutely, positively enjoy this movie on so many different levels and for so many different reasons many of which I won't even you know attempt to go into tonight um and for me I could very easily pick apart every single movie from 1977 to the latest one and I choose not to because I choose to look at them as exciting creative fun deep silly all of those things. And yes, I know it's a giant space bear riding around in a hamburger that goes sometimes through space really fast and sometimes not. And I enjoyed the hell out of all of them.
2: Yeah. And that's why this episode was a difficult one to sort of decide to do, because when we started this podcast series, it it is about the makers, right? But at the same time, and I'm not going to keep talking about my previous career but there are choices that you make intentionally and those choices created the most divisive film in star wars history right i so mean if you, like, H-
0: if you look at demetrius's notes look back to the phantom menace and if you were to rewind in time the phantom menace was definitely not you know universally liked there you're are right. people you're, still you're, to this day that, that that hate on jar jar you you're absolutely right agreed
2: you're absolutely right and people hate jar jar or love jar jar but They also, maybe it was a different time. I don't know, but the Last Jedi is not a discussion about whether you like or dislike Jar Jar, or whether you think the acting is wooden. It's a discussion about the fundamental choices in the film, right? Like the whole the story, the plot, the premise, the 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 characters. You can go into that film and say, you know, I don't like Jar Jar, but look at this all the really cool stuff. This film really creates vitriol in the fans like there's some people that just outright hate this film like i do and other people that that defend it like it's the best film of all time and it, I've, it, I've seen both
5: yeah and that is because of luke skywalker it, it you know the whole thing is is the luke scott and that's that subverting expectations where you see what the internet thinks is going to happen and you do the opposite and that's where what, what went wrong you don't do you know the there's, you know, there's, for some reason, uh, you know, it's, it's not good to give an audience or a fan base what they, what they want. I mean, heck, Marvel does it all the time.
2: Mandalorian, Mandalorian
5: Mandalorian hit it out of the park, you know? So we've been, since then, you know, you haven't seen a lot of subverting expectations and, but I think, you know, the, the the filmmakers and everyone involved in The Last Jedi and uh, on the back end, on the business side of things, they, they see, you know, that it didn't work in 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 the way that they wanted it to, because there's a lot of people that did feel kind of, you know, like it, it's not my luke. And that's, I think, the one thing, you know, and and that that if I were to say, if I were to pinpoint it, because that was my Luke that showed up. If that wasn't a hologram at the end and that was like this great fight scene, I would have liked the third one to be where he does get Ben to come around and Ben actually sacrifices his up for his master like actually saves Luke instead of, you know, the emperor thing where he saves, you know, he uh, where Luke saves, pulls Darth back, Darth Vader back from the dark side, you know, uh, where it would be the other way. Luke saves, you know, Kylo back from the dark side, even though he probably doesn't deserve it. But, but then Kylo sacrifices himself to, to save the day. And, and Luke lives, like, instead of repeating the, the you know, the same kind of stuff. So, You know, and I I think they've learned a lot from it. I mean, we could just, as I said, I think we're all reaping the benefits of seeing where subverting expectations goes. Um, Because now, I mean, look at how much great stuff is coming out of the Star Wars camp. A lot of it, a lot of it. We're loving it. We're just
4: very fortunate.
5: I I think you're right. I think
2: the corrections and the learnings from that was you can't treat Star Wars like you can Jurassic World, where you can throw in any director and they can change the plot from whatever it was, the, the arc, that Star Wars is a very separate, different thing, and that you need a creative team that follows each of the films, not just some of the films. So I think you're right. That led to The Mandalorian, which is a correction in many ways, right? Not just giving the fans what they want, but also actually trying to correct or add to the lore In between those films, Star Wars Resistance, which tries to do that in a lesser, less serious way, which is still a pretty good show. Um, And perhaps what happened with Rogue Squadron, which is where Kathleen Kennedy pulled the plug before they even started filming because she thought, no, this is wrong. You know, where, now what's surprising to me, and then we'll get into the user, the, the, the user, the fan questions here. Did I just say fan? The listener questions, because they could also watch um uh, i think what they learned here was to control the narrative um i kind of lost my way because i was once i entered the other topics i lost my original point of view but um i think we are reaping the benefits of it steve and i think we're going to see a lot more stuff coming out of here that's more what we want what i remember now what is surprising is in rogue one which everyone some people think it's the best film of all of them, um, in Solo and in Jedi, uh, and even to some extent in, in Return, uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker, there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff that no one knows anything about, right? So somebody does the wrong thing on a Marvel set, it's on the internet. Somebody, you know, it is shocking how much control kathleen kennedy and disney have over those stories aren't you surprised ken none of them have leaked out oh even
0: think about grogu for that matter you know we didn't know about grogu until it came out you think about something that could very easily have been leaked with 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 a picture or even just a you know a a, you know a a reddit thread somewhere or luke yeah or luke you know so they they've you know, they, they've done an incredible job of keeping things under wraps and on both sides of that, you know, yeah. keeping the, the story under wraps that they, they want to share soon and the stuff that didn't go well. Like you don't hear much about why the, the, the Boba Fett movie didn't actually come into existence or what happened with the, the, the two guys um, that were originally on, on Solo that, that Ron Howard had to say. That's yeah. the, that's to me is amazing that that story hasn't
2: come out because that, I mean, Solo I thought was a great film anyway, but the fact that it was shot in eight months, is just shocking, and the fact that it was originally like a comedy, I guess is is that what it was? It was a, it was a yeah, comedy. Was to,
0: yeah, that's what the at least the two guys that were involved were were known for being comedic, you know, directors, and they were more off the cuff, um, ad lib kind of guys, and that's that's why I say when you know when when Disney and Lucasfilms don't want something to happen, it doesn't happen. And uh, it also, for me, going back to the, the point that Stephen was making about having, you know, this this plan and consistency. I mean, that's one of the benefits I think of of Dave Filoni having worked so closely with George, is he's able to to keep the threads going, to understand the lore, the the what works, doesn't work, what what is right, what isn't right in this. In this galaxy um, that 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 came out so many many years ago, which is different than the the, the prequel tr- trilogy. I mean, as much as I enjoy J.J. Abrams movies and 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 Ryan Johnson movies, they they didn't learn at the hands of Lucas. Dave Filoni learned at the hands of Lucas, much yeah. more than probably you know a, a lot of the other. They they may have designed for Lucas, but they weren't involved in the direction like like Filoni was.
2: And I think Steve is maybe right. Maybe the failure of those two films were the reason that Filoni got called up. I mean, we don't know what his aspirations were before. Maybe he didn't want to be called up. Who knows?
5: Yeah, but you, and you ask the three questions. So the three questions, especially in entertainment, whether it's in the acting side, directing, uh, artistic side, uh, uh, um, uh, anything, anything throughout uh, the entertainment and in, in the professional world. Ask yourself the three questions. What worked, what didn't, and why? So the only way to grow and, and to build upon you know, uh, anything is to ask those three questions. What worked, what didn't, and why? And you can see if they were to ask those questions about this trilogy, they seem to figure it. They've, they've answered those three questions. And that's, what we're, that's why I really believe that we're reaping the benefits of, of that franchise.
2: Yeah, one of my biggest complaints in the trilogy was that they didn't have enough new ships. And when the Mandalorian came out, there's a new ship. There's yeah. old ships redone in different ways, right? The, 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 even the TIE fighters, they found a way to fold away. Everything just, just sort of like, you wanted new stuff here. Yeah. You like the Star Wars toys with the two transport? Here, take it, take it. We're sorry, we're sorry.
5: Yeah, and if anyone in, you know, as I said, Star Wars Land and whoever the, is going to write the next trilogy, if you want to continue this, introduce a new bad guy from another universe that's coming over, where the Resistance has to team up with the First Order. Like that you have to, you know, whatever first- Oh,
2: that was order, the Vuzong, the, the, the or what was it called, Ken?
0: They Vuzong they, they, Vong, yeah. They,
5: yeah, they have to team up. And that's where Finn could be the absolute lead oh, in yeah. this film, because he can convince, you know, everyone, because you can have First Order trying to build, trying to, you know, keep, you know, whatever they have. But no. You have to fight together. I would love to see that in another trilogy, you know, with Ray and Finn. Finn, hopefully with a lightsaber. And then you have this, this new enemy, this new bad guy. And for three movies, another trilogy where they fight. And don't do it now. Give some time and then bring them back together. I think that would be just absolutely phenomenal and give Finn, you know, the, the <laughs> give him the character arc that he deserves
0: for crying out loud.
5: they could have Um, planted the
0: seeds with star wars rebels where ezra and and the space whales took took thrawn off into uh, you know unknown places and ahsoka uh went out looking for him and i am so
5: curious to see as ahsoka you know that's going to be i mean i'm looking forward to that as much as obi-wan right now but but i think that's that's something that you know can come out and that's what as i said you know just going through this 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 you know especially with this movie this movie changed the way they do star wars um you know and i I think we're again uh, i'm a broken record but i think we're all getting the benefits of
2: yeah but you're making it exciting i never really thought about the sequels that can go in that direction and that actually sounds awesome
4: because i
2: read those timothy zahn books and it was just you know the force doesn't work in these guys and there's just a different kind of thing all right so we're at the point where we need to close this up but we got some listener questions So I will read you these questions because everybody, I suppose, is waiting for them on the other side. So Andrew Tchaikovsky asks, um, why did the director choose to take that awesome moment from the end of Force Awakens with Ray offering Luke his lightsaber and turn it into a one note joke at the beginning of the movie?
5: It was a really sunny day. The lightsaber was really, really hot. So it was more like a hot potato moment. and he was very upset at Ray for, number one, showing up without being invited. It's an invitation-only island. And then when <laughs> he grabbed it, it was very hot, and he just threw it over his shoulder. It, it burned him.
0: We've all well, done that. It was that. also missing a very important part. It didn't have the hand. When he lost it, there was, oh, yeah, yeah. There was. Where's my hand? Where's the hand? Where's the hand? <laughs> if you're going to bring this, you might as well bring the hand, too. Come on. All right. So at least she was kind enough to bring a gift. You know, when you go to someone's house for the first time, you're supposed to bring a gift and she brought that that's right
2: i will take that as an answer megan walsh asks how did ray's journey parallel princess leia's and how does that relate to the female fans of star wars who wants to take that one
0: i don't know I'm if ahead. it paralleled it i don't know if ray's journey paralleled leia's
2: now yeah, more parallels luke doesn't it hmm.
3: I think Ray is is a great character. I mean, in terms of, uh, like young girls looking up to her and, um, you know, growing up in star Wars, uh, you know, all we had was princess Leia pretty much like when I played with my star Wars toys with my cousins, like all she had was just princess Leia. I had tons of, you know, male, you know, characters, creatures, aliens, you know? So I think, uh, I think Ray is a is a good role model for, for a lot of younger girls that are trying to get into Star Wars and and the whole the whole world of it. So
2: But I, I agree it doesn't really parallel Leia as much as it does Luke. Or a Jedi's path, perhaps. Because
0: the strength of 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 leadership doesn't necessarily come from just a from a from a title. You know, with, with, with Ray, she, she grew into being someone that people trusted, grew into someone. And then I guess with that said, maybe that is how they parallel. Mm-hmm. You know, even though Leia was raised by, by wealthy um, politicians, she became uh, a politician based on her actions, mm-hmm. and, and Ray became a leader of people based on her actions. So I guess in that case, they, the, the stories are somewhat related.
2: Okay, I'll take that for an answer. Jim Ruberton asks, uh, this is a good question, uh, somebody's gonna have to take this one and not get upset about it, what happened to the Knights of Wren and why make such a big deal about them in novels and comic books when you're just gonna ignore them?
3: <laughs> well, that's that's writing, isn't it, isn't writing? <laughs> I mean, that was another, another thing I was talking about earlier. Um, I was once again so excited to see what the Knights of Ren were all about, and and the whole Kylo Ren background, and we got we got a bunch of nothing, you know. They were just, you know, another gut punch <laughs> to the story. So, um, somebody on,
2: mentioned first. that the Knights of Ren would have been a fantastic. You remember the flying stormtroopers in Rise of Skywalker? Sure, yeah. That the rise the, the, the Knights of Ren would have been better characters for that scene. Right, to chase yeah. them around.
3: I mean, all they were doing was walking around. They just filmed them walking around. And was, they
2: are posing, so they are just standing yeah. around. I
3: him. wanted uh, to know more about them, so...
2: Well, not know. in this trilogy or yeah. not. Um, Harry Jackson asks, everyone focuses on the negatives of The Last Jedi. What are some of the positive things that the hosts feel that the movie brought to the overall saga? For me, Harry, it's the idea that anyone could be a Jedi, regardless of bloodline, as we saw with The Stable Boy, and the Broom and Rey's parentage as of Last Jedi. Harry really wishes they kept that message to Rise of Skywalker instead of tying Ray into Palpatine's bloodline. So the Broom Boy. That was a thing that I did like. I, everyone liked the Broom Boy, right?
3: Agreed. Um, I, I must be the only one who didn't like the Broom Boy. Though. Oh, you didn't
2: like the Broom Boy?
3: Oh, uh, no, I, I didn't. <laughs> I won't get into it. I mean, just... It, I don't know. I just didn't like it.
0: All right, so said, Ken, what are the, 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 did you like the broom boy? And I did oh. for that very same reason. I mean, if you go back to the, you know, Yoda's teachings about, you know, the, the force, you know, binds us all together, you know, and then even the stuff that showed up in, in the, in the prequels about, you know, the, the midichlorians exist in all of us. So we all have the ability to touch on the force, even if you think um, to, to pose ability to be such a, a great pilot, you know, so we all have the ability to to touch the force just with training, dedication, and focus. Some folks are become much better at it than others.
2: I think the idea that for a while we didn't know who Ray's parents were um, was interesting because it created that that that's the one thing that I think creates a lot of drama. Is well, who is she? And you know, the 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 cliffhanger between films it keeps fans going for the two years in between the films. You need to talk about something. And raise parentage was something I thought was really interesting. Um, the idea, um, I'll disagree a little bit, Harry. I think the idea that anyone could be a Jedi was probably better told in this prequels, right? Because, I mean, you had so many different Jedi's in, in the Clone Wars.
0: Yeah, so well, many- the difference, though, with the prequels and this, the prequels, the, fo- the folks who had force sensitive abilities were, were, were searched for, found, and brought to the temple to raise. Whereas people like Ray, people like you know the the stable boy, they have force abilities, and no one's around to notice it. no one's around to teach them. and going right, back.: Otherwise they would have
2: done the same thing, which they had done for thousands of years because yeah, if, if the
0: Jedi, if the Jedi religion still existed the way that it did in the prequels.
2: which is what Luke does later, right because he he starts well he started the Jedi Temple, by the time last Jedi started, it was, well the time force Awakens started, it had already been destroyed, so.
0: Mm -hmm. right and the other the other piece to that going back to the the stuff that george lucas wanted to do is teach stories to kids this is a wonderful one that um in many cases we're on our own we have to make our decisions so when she was you know in that, that that dark side cave and all she saw was herself she at that moment had to realize that she was alone and that whatever comes from, from this moment on is, is based on her decisions, based on her choices. And that's overwhelming. I mean, I can 100% personally relate to that, that kind of sensation of looking around and literally and figuratively having nobody for guidance, having nobody to, to teach me the ways of the world and having to figure it out. And let me tell you, as a, as a 16, 17-year-old kid, that absolutely sucks
2: yeah it actually well,
4: so.
0: does all
2: right so tom russo wants to know was mark hamill consultant on Luke's character arc at all
0: no he was <laughs> he didn't agree with that i mean he if you if you watch the director in the jedi you know mark and and ryan spent a, a bunch of times talking about it and mark disagreed with it so that he was consulted on it it's just that's not the story that ryan wanted to tell
3: yeah
0: because consulting and following through on that consultation aren't necessarily one and the same thing. Yeah, I think
2: the question is, did he have any meaningful consultation and created their decision over it? And the answer would be no. Well, because we he would have been more in it. the first well, film well, but- after all that you just you was in there for two seconds and didn't say a word in the first film. he would have probably changed that. I think what Luke did say, well mark hamill it would have been nice to have the cast the old cast back together again i think that's what he said yeah
5: i mean yeah. we all we all would it's another thing that the, they had a missed opportunity they could have had lando at least get one scene with everyone together but you know it's uh, i think it's a, a a pretty big missed opportunity and then and then as i said as the movies progress uh the the three movies in the in this series you know then hand it over to the young crowd to the to the to the new blood
4: Mm -hmm.
5: but not in the very first one with just you know one yeah I don't know I I think it was a missed opportunity
2: the first film is always a tremendous lift it's very difficult to start from scratch sometimes um Krista Rose Hanley talks about how beautifully the film is shot like it or not it's a beautiful film I don't think anyone can disagree with that Krista definitely a beautiful film so we agree with you on that uh Mike our very own Mike Hinton has a question. Uh do you think Luke taking weapons into the cave in Empire is what led Luke down the path that led him to where we see him in the last Jedi? Was his choice of shortcuts, anger and impulsiveness but led to his failure with the temple and with Kylo? Huh.
5: I'm going to say he put a lot of thought into that. I'm going to agree. <laughs> that's that's very insightful.
2: I, Yeah, Ken, this is all, I mean, this is you and that I think it's but-
0: one of the many choices, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. if you think about that moment, you know, Yoda was telling him, don't bring anything with you. He's like, okay, old frog boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I want to do and I'm going to go into this cave. I've never been in there before. I'm bringing my stuff with me. Yeah, and so yeah. while it may not have been the, the first thing that led him down the path, it continued to lead him down to that potential path of the dark side. I mean, he, he mm-hmm. cut off his own dad's robotic hand. Yeah, because he was so pissed off
2: you know it's, it's strange when you think about it Luke was on Octo for a long time and then impulsively he just wants to destroy the books inside the tree cave thing and then he goes to destroy it kind of changes his mind but then says he's going to do it and then does it and then Yoda destroys it for him with the lightning and then Yoda says did you read those books? he's like no nah, I didn't read those books
4: <laughs> <Right>?
2: <laughs> so it's like what were you doing the whole time on this planet? Like, you know, was he that upset? So, look, not to go into another criticism, but the choices that Luke made for whatever long time he was on that island were never really explored. Like, wh- what what, reflections did he make? What did he do with his time? I mean, why didn't he just kill himself? He, he's really that desperate to get away from the past. Right? What, what, what did he learn?
5: Uh, I hope I, you know i hope he would have just uh well practiced flying because he crashed on dagobah he crashed on Hulf, he crashed on that planet i mean
3: oh, yeah
5: <laughs> he supposedly is great pilot but he crashes
0: a lot oh, he, he crashed in beggars canyon too i thought he crashed in beggar's
2: Canyon.
5: <laughs> <laughs> my man luke
0: i don't know man I think I mean, luke, luke,
2: luke was impulsive to mike's question just like his dad was his dad yep, was different. Yep, yep
5: that's a heredity
3: sure
0: and, well, and Luke didn't have the benefit that his dad had. I mean, his dad, you know, lived at the temple and was trained by, by you know hundreds of Jedi over the course yes. of many, many years. Luke didn't have that. Yeah, he had to learn on YouTube like everybody else.
2: Although his dad did get separated from his mother against his will, you know, that whole the, you know, I'd love to do a podcast just on the, the morality of the Jedi because that's always a lot of stuff really bothers me about what the Jedi does when you really go to think about it so luke didn't have to deal with all that hassle either but he wasn't guided i mean and how often did force ghost yoda and force ghost ben show up anyway they only ever seem to show up at night
0: well so- and when they did show up you know you couldn't really trust everything that they said to you because yeah. they often told you half truths mm-hmm. mm-hmm. which didn't help anything tom walsh asks and it's
2: a very simple question but it could have a very deep answer Uh, what is a jedi and i guess that's the the point of the movie that luke is trying to make and maybe ray is trying to figure out is what is a jedi supposed to do right
5: now we know they're not supposed to be warriors which is what they became and and you know and and enforcers you know but they i believe they were supposed to be keepers of the peace
4: there
2: you
5: go but then they who, who
2: decided that
5: I don't know. We got to wait they for the prequel, that? the prequel, prequel, prequel trilogy to see the, the Kevin Feige the film. Jedi.
2: That's the one that I think he's going to uh, direct the beginning of it
0: all. And I think and they don't really be... explore that much in the High Republic, do they? Mm-mm. No, like where the teachings of the Jedi come from.
2: No, I think they're really reserving that specifically for, you know, Dawn of the Jedi, which is what I think the film is called um so what is a jedi i think we still don't really have an answer to that and i think we need to explore that and i think a jedi uh is whatever that time period dictates a yeah. jedi be.
5: these yeah.
2: but i think the question is remember that so you had all these jedi the fallen ones is that what they call them ken the, oh, the lost 20 the lost 20 isn't it a funny phrase the lost 20 like why are they lost you know, does that mean they're doing wrong things or are they just doing
0: different things? Well, I think they may be doing different things because the Lost 20 for those listeners out there that are unfamiliar with that that, that phrase, it's a group of 20 Jedi over the course of history that consciously deliberately stepped away from the Jedi order, the, the religion known as the Jedi. And so they, they chose that, that that lifestyle was no longer for them. And Count Dooku is one of the, the 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 most. Count Dooku and Ahsoka are are two of them, and I don't I don't think Ahsoka is one of the lost twenty. Count Dooku may have been the the twentieth lost one, where he stepped away from the Jedi Order on purpose.
3: So Ahsoka would be the twenty first then.
0: Yeah, or? yeah, <laughs> she would have in the Jedi Order. Kept... Right, and then. But well, they didn't no. they didn't have time to make a bust of her because by that point uh, the the, <laughs> the temple was raised and. Exactly. And he had a couple of younglings in the in the lobby.
2: Two okay. last questions here. One of them is a long question, but an easy answer. So Tom Levine says, what happened to the continuity between episode seven and episode eight? They seem like two different directions. What happened behind the scenes? Tom, we don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> We've been discussing Stuff.
2: that throughout the day.
0: Yeah. Stuff We've, happened that we're not sure about.
2: And one day, maybe when we're 80 years old, we'll find out. <laughs> and then uh, this one seems like it's made just for Persh. Uh, Kirby Long asked, Did Disney ever give a timetable, if and when they'll continue the Skywalker saga?
5: They they purposely said they're ending the Skywalker. That's the whole thing right now. The Skywalker saga is ended. But I don't think and then it could be there. You know, as I said, I I, I think we're talking about Luke. You know, so I think it's the Luke Skywalker saga. But it's still if Ray's going to call herself a Skywalker. Then again, I think I think you got to give it some time though. You got to give it some time between that latest trilogy um, and and you know and and then bring them back. As I said, I, I would love they be introduced to a new bad guy, an alien, where everyone that we've currently seen. I would love to see Generation One Tie Fighters come out of retirement, Naboo fighters fighting side by side against a new whatever colony. they have. Right? Yep.
2: Throw so, the kitchen sink at them. Um, you
0: oh, that know, was in
2: I episode think, three yes that's true so i think i think uh i think we were finished i want to talk about real quick the speaking of the skywalker saga the lego skywalker saga game has anyone played that game
0: oh my goodness too many hours already
2: <laughs> it's a great game isn't it it's uh, one of the best-selling games of the year second best-selling game of the year
3: yeah, um, i haven't played it so so
2: much love like i actually felt i started playing it from the the, the chronological release of the films. There's so much love in that game that it actually felt like it was watching the real films. You know, like when you go to the Death Star, just the, the amount of work that they put, everyone should buy that game. If you're a Star Wars fan and you don't have that game, even if you don't play it, just walk, just walk around.
0: You could be a tourist in all these places. It's, it's quite impressive. It really is. I think there's, what'd they say, Anthony? Like 300 or 400 playable characters.
2: It's, it's ridiculous, but it's how legitimate and how authentic everything feels. It's just so over the top. So everyone should get that game. Uh, and Ken, I think we didn't get into any major fights today. We didn't start insulting people. Nobody threw any punches. So I think today was a su- success.
5: I would agree. Good job, everybody. Good job. You all, you know, just... Uh... Although Anthony seriously tell us how you really feel
2: <laughs> i haven't if i really went into that like i probably should do my own separate podcast by myself on that topic alone <laughs> you know there are youtube videos where you just
0: literally do that just so you can get it out of your system
2: i you know what maybe well and you're um, to my,
3: invite me because you and I, I i can go on as, as as long as you like a
2: supplement right like a yeah. like a director's cut it's version just... of this podcast yes. But this is
3: good
5: therapy for all of us This and everyone listening. I think this is pretty good therapy. We've, you know,
2: but if I was going to do that, it would be from the missed opportunities, right? Because, you know, the one thing I will close on this whole topic and at least give it to Ken to close the show is that the director has ultimate creative control. At least this director did uh, as far as we know, because nobody's ever, there's stories haven't gotten out. And from that perspective, it looks as pretty as Empire Strikes Back, but it's not as good. And, you know, yes, you do have years to make these films. You have crews of script writers. You know, it is not just a one man operation, a one person, one woman operation. You have a lot of help. But uh, to me, you know, making those choices because you, you wanted to be surprise and upend what Star Wars was. Maybe not a bad idea, but that was a TV show. That is a side quest. That is something that did not belong in the Skywalker saga, I think, because that is a better story told in a separate medium. Maybe at the time they hadn't thought Disney Plus was going to exist. I don't know um, what, actually, I I think I was working for Disney at the time. We had a list of things and we didn't know anything about Disney Plus. So we had a pretty good list of stuff. They even gave us a script to Dawn of the Jedi, um, but we didn't have any of this stuff. So I just think it was a better time and a place to do it than than this film. Um, and that's where I'll leave it. Ken, please get us out of here before I start all
5: over again.
0: Thanks. So like we we often wrap up our show with folks that we want to thank. Uh, I'm going to start off by thanking all the folks, all the listeners, all the 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 the, the listeners, the viewers. Andrew, Megan, Jim, Harry, Tom, Kirby, Tom, Tom, Krista and Mike for being willing to, to put topics out there for us to chat through. And hopefully we, we, we met that expectation and you're willing to, to offer up more because we enjoy hearing what other people have to say about these, these magical movies that we enjoy so much. Who do you guys want to thank before we rush off into the wild, wild wilderness?
2: I will thank Ken Bishop for not getting angry at me. I mean, visibly, at least, for letting me have this one uh, episode where I, I just felt, uh, again, I did think it was thematically on point, like we are talking about the creators, right? So, but I know that it was contentious. So I thank you for for giving me this uh,
0: opportunity to vet. Welcome, my friend.
3: Uh, yeah, I just want to say, I'd like to thank you guys for having me on the show once again. Uh, And you know what? I think I want to thank uh, the whole uh, Lucasfilm because I know I kind of beat down on the movie a lot and everything. I said I walked out of the credits and all that, but when I walked out, I I still was a Star Wars fan. I never walked out and said, "This is it. I'm done. I'm finished." And I'm I'm appreciative of Lucasfilm to continue the story and to to make new movies for us and content. So I'd like to thank everybody that works at Lucasfilm.
5: And my uh, thank you is going to be directed at Mark Hamill. Uh, when you when you play a character, you know, you, you know, you get in the character and and especially when you've uh, been in multiple films or shows, you become that character There's a lot of you in that character. You know, that's the whole thing you put yourself in your work, whether it's in, in uh, through the uh, the illustration of, of paint or in, in music. Um, and Mark Hamill put himself in Luke Skywalker, and so for years he thought of Luke Skywalker's a certain way. And of course, in this movie, it went a total different way. Um, but again, he was a good sport. Came in, he gave it his all. I think he had a little bit more fun in the next thing, uh, you know, in the in the, in the third uh, when they wrapped up this trilogy. But you know, props to we all love Mark Hamill. I mean, he's 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 our Luke. It doesn't matter what happens in the film. Luke is Luke. Nothing's going to take Return of the Jedi away from us. And as long as he understands that Luke is Luke and, um, and, and it shows that, you know, the love I'm, I'm also glad. And I'll thank Dave Filoni and uh, Favreau for giving an opera and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. And uh, you know, uh, for the episodes that, you know, that that she did this past season, but that Luke Skywalker thing that they did in Mandalorian to give Luke this, you know, and, and show the love that people have for him. And it, it, I'm just very thankful that he, you know, he, he, he held his chin up and he says, all right, I'm going to do what I need to do here. And, uh, but, but yeah, he, he's our Luke.
2: You know, what's cool about that is that Mark Hamill really performed last, even though we know that he didn't agree with it. He, his performance in the last Jedi was really good.
5: No, yeah. It was great. Yeah. When he showed up in that black and everything, he looked, he had worked out. He, he, he looked fantastic. He looked like he, that was that was that was Luke. It was good to see him.
0: And they the, cool thing, the entire First Order with nothing but a laser sword. That's right. <laughs> and then you just
2: Brush it off. And I think the other thing that's cool about what you just said about the Mandalorian is that once these, these these Star Wars shows start coming out and what it does, is starts to change in your mind. You don't think of it as like, well, that's Star Wars Episode four. You just start thinking of them as characters and having real lives and where was this character in this point of his life not where was this character in episode seven but you really start to flesh out and lose the narrative breakpoints and just think where was he when he was 45 years old where was he when he was 30 you don't think about it in the films anymore because now it just becomes like a real alternate reality that all of us like to kind of escape our reality from when we have a chance and I think that's the one thing that the Mandalorian did is it really started to break apart, but this isn't like Last Jedi, Luke, it's just Luke. Mm-hmm.
0: And
2: right. it's the narrative of Luke's life or in all the other characters' lives. So that's something that's starting to you can't see it as much when you're in it, but I think over time you're gonna start losing that break point and start just looking at him holistically.
0: The so Ken, stretching this even further, I'm gonna ask one question before we uh yeah, we, we really, really wrap up. So thinking back to your life in 1980 did you ever imagine that we would have so much star wars coming to our living room um the way that we do now whether it's with dvds or disney plus to the point where we're talking about not just another movie but another batch of shows do you ever did you ever think that that was going to happen
2: I don't think we were mentally the framework wasn't there for us to even think that way. I think it was a better question would be in 2010 would we have thought that, right? Because in 1980, you know, I didn't know what I was thinking about anything. Like you don't, the kids don't think that far in advance, right? Because other people are doing stuff and you're just watching it. But in 2010, I would have never thought any of it. I didn't think this stuff. I, I, I've told this story before. My studio was acquired by Disney weeks before the Star Wars announcement. No one had any idea Star Wars was coming back. Nobody. Nobody. So I think we should just be thankful we got it, good or bad films, you know? Well, obviously you don't want bad films, but think about it. When did Star Wars come back? 2007? Like, it wasn't that long ago, 2008. When was it announced? No, no, 2000. No, it was way later than that. uh, Twenty. 14
0: well the the sale of Lucasfilm to Disney I thought was 2012 that wasn't that long ago it was 10 years ago think
2: about all the stuff that happened in 10 years
0: yeah Yeah. compared to the 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 no stuff or very 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 little stuff that happened between you know the the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy I mean we got two Ewok movies the Christmas special yeah we definitely got that yeah, yeah. Um. But two Ewok movies, and yeah, I think that's all it was—was was two Ewok movies in between the original trilogy and the the prequel trilogy. And in ten years, we've had so much from from yeah. Rebels and in Clone Wars to the Bad Batch to you know five movies, keep on uh, two entire theme parks, a, a a spaceship cruise line. I mean, it's 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 great. bonkers uh, yeah it's it's great we so got about
2: for- 1400 minutes of star wars tv shows i'm just kind of adding up all the numbers yeah. here so the, how many films is that like 10 yeah i mean it's a it's a bunch because that's yeah to divide that just divide it by just, just yeah. say you know two hours hold on a second that's a lot of content and then no we wouldn't have it's 11 films right so that's a lot so we've gone a lot and it's coming faster and we're becoming more critical right and really the only one i mean you got people talking about for whatever reason that i don't agree with the book of boba fett because boba fett doesn't appear in it yeah but there's a lot of successes here there with very few duds in what is essentially 16 films in 10 years. And really, it's not even 10 years because once they bought the Lucas was bought by Disney, you've really got three years to figure stuff out. So it's really like seven years.
0: Right, right.
2: All right, can't get us out. Incredible.
0: Well, thanks for another great episode, guys. May the force be with you always, and we'll catch all of you soon. Thanks for listening. Take care, guys. Bye guys. Bye.